Just a Good Conversation, podcast number 15. Today, my guest is Andy Gutierrez. He grew up in South Central LA, where he found his love for soccer his senior year in high school. After spinning his wheels in life, he returned to soccer and began coaching, later starting his own soccer academy for goalkeepers. It can be found on Instagram at la.academia underscore gk. Before we get into our conversation with Andy, here's a quick break for our sponsor. Just a good conversation, podcast number 15. Today, my guest is Cal State Fullerton men's soccer goalie coach, Andy Gutierrez. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you, man. This is great. Appreciate it. This is your first podcast. First one. It's not mine. (laughs) (laughs) Exciting. I'm I'm glad you were able to stop by. Um, I really like talking to coaches. Um, uh, Leadership is a big thing of mine. And with coaching, obviously, you're teaching a lot of leadership. Uh, One thing, and, and we'll dive into it, is your leadership like you teach young soccer players and i call them young because when you're 18 you're Still, yeah. you're you're pretty young yeah yeah you can legally drive a car and own a gun but you can barely <laughs> do anything else other than that right. <laughs> right. so uh let's let's talk about you and and in your life real quick and get some backstory where, where did you grow up at so i grew up in uh well now they call it south la but back then i grew up in south central los angeles yeah south la makes it sound so so nice correct but it was it was south central yeah, it was south central la where now what, what is this late 80s early 90s uh, so i was born 86 so i was okay. growing up in the 90s okay yeah so it was rough still then oh yeah it wasn't it wasn't early 80s but it was still rough yes uh, i think their 90s was rough yeah in, in south well, central sure. when you're a kid sure yeah yeah <laughs> you see you see things and it's just you're blown away. Right. How big was your family when you were living there? So I have four brothers. Okay. I mean, three brothers and one one sister. Okay. Are you in the middle? Or you the... I'm, in, I'm the youngest. Oh, you're the baby. I'm the youngest, yeah. Okay, so who? So what's the order? How old's your oldest brother and then whittling down to you? So my oldest brother, Jose, he's uh, 45. Okay. But how much older than you? Uh, so he's almost, what, 11 years old? Okay. Yeah. All right. And so. then this is my sister. He's uh, She's a year younger than him. Okay. Then my brother, Felix. Two years, uh, no, a year younger than her, than my sister. Okay. Then it's my brother, Carlos. We're five years apart. So he's, right now, he's 39. Okay. And then it's me. So then it was you. So they kind of waited a while and they set out one more. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny thing is, um, so my parents are done. Okay. After that, it was like, ah, uh, well, no course. more kids. Yeah. So I have four. So, and then it's like, so my, my sister wanted a little sister. And well, so my mom was like... <laughs> Okay, let's try for one more. And then... Uh, Buy her a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, it's a 50-50 shot, I guess, but, right. you know... Yeah, so they oopsies. tried for one more, and then here I am, <laughs> you know, and our gender reveal was at birth. Yeah. They, my, my mom didn't want to know what what uh, gender it was until sure. birth time, and so I popped out, and my sister was so disappointed. <laughs> Did yeah. she treat you though like a little sister? Or did you get like I mean you might not know, but like right. when you were one or two, was she making you play dolls and dressing you up and you Not know? that I remember, okay. but maybe. <laughs> Never asked her that. So but yeah. You you probably should have that conversation. I, I should. Did, did I play dollhouse with you and right. not know? <laughs> right. But I I remember she was the one that took care of me when okay. my parents worked. Uh, she was no more than what, ten years old. Right. Um taking care of me. She potty trained me. She just just took care of me. 
God, what would she have done if you were a, a girl? She really would have had, you know, right. love for you. I mean, right. taking care of you like yeah. that. Uh, she spanked me into potty train to get used to the restroom. So I remember those spankings. Well, yeah, she doesn't want yeah. to deal with a baby crapping all over the place. Right, right. Yeah, so how hard was life back then in South Central? As a kid, you don't, you don't, you don't feel how hard or you don't recognize how hard it is until you start getting into your teens. Right. You start to see it. You start to see, really see it. Right. Um, you see it when you're a younger kid, but you don't, you don't grasp. Right. You don't interpret yeah. you know, like the violence, the gang noise, the right. gunshots. Right. The, the police. Right. The police coming. The ghetto yeah. bird flying over on a you know, sure. Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. You don't, you don't comprehend those right. things until, again, you're like 11, 12 right, so, or so. Yeah. Because now the gangs come looking for you. Right. And you need members. Yeah. They need recruitment, members, <laughs> just, you know, do the dirty work for them. Right. And stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember playing T-ball. I was f nothing but maybe four or five years old playing T-ball. We were in training. Remember this like it was yesterday. It was Tuesday afternoon. Um, we're training. We're practicing. I was in outfield. I was, I was just in the center field. And um, next thing you know, I hear a pop right, right behind me. So I just turn, and there's just two guys shooting at each other maybe 20 feet away. And just boom, 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 boom. And then the coach is running towards, like, the outfield, like, get down, get down. And, I mean, you don't understand what's happening. You, you hear it, you see it, but you really don't understand what's going on. And, right. And you just see the guy laying down and dead. And he's maybe, like, 30 feet away from me. You wow. Know? And so that's, that's the first murder I ever witnessed as a, as a, as a really young kid. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. five. You got a T-ball yeah. in your hand, and all of a sudden there's yeah. guys that shooting each other shooting out there like the Wild West. Yeah, yeah, it was. And and um, at the time, I, I, I really didn't panic or question it. But then, again, when I get to start getting older, it's like, shoot, I saw that, like, as a young kid. Sure. Like, four or five years old, you're not supposed to see that. No. You know? And so that kind of got me thinking a little bit and just kind of you know, dramatize me a little bit just to, and then every time I see guys just kind of arguing back and forth, it's like, uh oh, when is it going to happen? Sure, no, you that know? would be crazy. Yeah. How did you, when you go home that night, do you explain that to your parents or do they, did the coaches say something to your parents like, what happened? <sighs> to be honest, I don't remember asking my parents or telling them. This, this is what happened. Right. Because I think that was a, just a norm. Right. You it know, was a norm in the area. It, it was a norm in the area. And then... That is so wrong for kids to yeah. have to grow up like that. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, the, the coach I had, his name is Peter, um, he was very protective of me. And um, him and, and some other guy named Omar, which we grew up together, but he used to protect me a lot because, again... I guess he saw the potential I had because baseball was something that I grew up playing a lot okay. along with soccer. Um, and so, was it maybe your first love, baseball? No, it was not my but first you just love. Enjoyed it. I enjoyed baseball. I was, I really was good at it until I stopped playing when I was sixteen. Okay, um, broke my hand and then I was playing at, at a league and broke my hand, like my wrist, doing stupid stuff at the park. I was in monkey bars, <laughs> swinging back and forth, and I slipped, and I landed, I landed on on my wrist and, and broke it. And so, but after that, I, I stopped playing. But um, yeah, to go back to that, it was just, it's, I enjoyed baseball a lot. 
you know, along with soccer. Right. Yeah. So with that kind of like experience and those events kind of happening, how does that shape you to be aware of like what gang life or how violent it could be in your area? I mean, does that let you give a sense of like, don't go to that block, don't stand next to those guys wearing those colors? I mean, did that become... It just became a natural thing, like where, you know, where I went to elementary school sometimes to walk to my school as a kid, okay. you know, because my parents couldn't take me because, again, they they were going to work, my brothers were going to school, and um, sometimes they'll, they'll walk with me, and then my brother or sister will take off to school. Right. Um, but coming home, I had to walk home. And so even though the, the school was two blocks away from me, it, it felt like a long walk. Sure, for a little guy. You know, and um, and it was, um, I grew up on MLK Boulevard and Morgan Avenue, between Compton Avenue and Morgan Avenue. Okay. And so the school was on, Nev- on 32nd and Nevin Avenue. So it was just literally two blocks away from me. But on 33rd Street, between Compton and Morgan was a street you would never want to walk if you didn't know anyone. Wrong, wrong, wrong place. Wrong place. And you don't want to get caught there for no, any reason. You know, it's Whose so, turf was that? Uh, 38th Street. Okay. Yeah. So it was 38th Street. One of the biggest gangs in LA. They've been since the mid-20s. Been around since the mid-20s. Wow. Yeah. Have you heard of Sleepy Lagoon? Yeah. That's them. Okay. Yeah. So they've been along. They've been around for a very long time and very dangerous. And so you knew. Who, okay. So then, who tells you stay out of that area? Your brother, friends, just become a reputation in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's just it's just a word of mouth kind of thing. Like, just don't go there if you don't know anyone. You know, <laughs> if you don't know anyone, don't go through that block. You, like, it will literally put fear in you while you just cross that street. If you're walking down Morgan and you cross 33rd Street, like. You, you just sense it. Wow. That's how bad it was. You just sense the danger or just, just sense just you so tensed up. You just want to walk fast. Just, it's, a, it's a little small block, but you just want to walk that right past it. so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. To think that like there's something like that that can put fear in a child. Yeah. And it just, and not just that block. It was just numerous blocks that were... Even though you're around, you're you grew up in that neighborhood, right? You just don't want to go there. Even oh though gosh. you know people there, you just don't want to get caught in the wrong situation there. You know, right? That's just that's so bizarre. Yeah. So that's I, I that's most. I had a really good childhood, but I grew up there, and it, it just kind of I became a product product of my environment. Right now, did. Your older brother being 11 years older, did he give you advice like, stay away from that area, watch those guys, Yeah, he, don't he, mess with those guys? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my brothers will always... Because when you're nine, he's 20. Yeah. So he, he knows what's going on. Right. There's no fooling oh, him yeah. in the neighborhood. Oh, definitely. You know, because he grew up in that area as well, and he was around it. So he was just like, you don't want a part of that. Did all the kids grow up in that same house where your mom and dad lived there that long that everybody grew up in that home? Yeah. So they knew did. the neighborhood. There oh, was yeah. no fooling them. Yeah. You guys didn't like move in from San Bernardino and was like, no. we had no idea. Right. No, no. <laughs> my, my parents, well, my parents, um, they first moved when I, they was in Boyle Heights. Okay. And then after Boyle Heights, they moved where the convention center is at now. 
It's a, it's oh, a street okay. called Wright. Uh, that's where I was born in. Okay. At that apartment. And then after maybe a couple of months, they moved into that neighborhood. But it was just the surrounding right. neighborhood where we already knew what was going on. Well, well, they already knew. Right. Was that move uh, for one of your parents' jobs, moving in? Like, was it just easier for, like, dad because he worked down the street? Or why was that move from Baldwin Heights to South Central L.A.? Oh, um, was there family in the area or well, just when when they moved to boy I don't know the reason never asked them why they moved from Boy Heights to LA right. which is downtown LA right um, but they moved out of uh, LA uh, the, where the convention center is at because they were they kicked them out because okay. of the convention center okay so that they had to move right because they were doing the expanding right so and then that's when we my parents landed at MLK Boulevard okay in, in South Central LA that's where we and then that's when I started growing up right there oh wow so how was school then elementary school junior high like are you feeling a, a gang vibe at that time could you feel an influence or was the gang life outside of school and in elementary I didn't never felt that but I I there was literally gang bangers at elementary sure right they gotta go to school yeah. too so I mean you really didn't see it in elementary school, but once you start going to junior high, then that's when you really see it. Right. You know, because again, I mean, we're kids, you know, so you say this, say that, but we don't really take you serious. We're just kids. Sure. But when you start being a teen and going to junior high and stuff, then it becomes a little bit more serious. Right. You know. Now, being Hispanic, was there a, could you feel tension with the blacks in school or was there also tension with other Hispanics because they might be in a gang? I mean, like, where did you sit in between your skin color, being a male? Mm -hmm. That's obviously a, a target. Right. Um, like, where does that fit in for you as a child, a young kid? Well, I always taught, stick to my race. Okay. You know. And that's like your first guard, safety. Right. 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 So just stick to my race and, uh, and just protect yourself, you know. Um, you Again. might have a friend who's black, but in right. the end, if things go down, yeah, you got to go with your guys, right? And and that sucks, right? Because it's I, horrible. I, I, I mean, 12. we grew, yeah, we grew up, you know, and and the Saint Pot kind of right. thing, you know. We grew up in the, my neighbor is black, you know, and, and so it's just a, a lot of racial tension even then, right? You know, even though you knew them. you know, you work with them or you play ball with them or right. whatever it is. I've known them since t-ball, right? Now all of a sudden we got to pick sides because we're right. stupid skin color. Correct. Because some other guy, some other shot caller mm -hmm. makes a dumb decision. Now you somehow get involved. Right. It's just a lot of hood politics, they right. call it. <laughs> yeah. God. Great. Yeah. Were you able to skirt the gang life as much as you could as a, as a young kid? I was affiliated by, because of my brothers. Okay. You know, but I never joined the gang, but I was around it because of my brothers. Right. You know, and, You'll be and, and again, that whitewash a little bit of fringe life. Right. And so, I mean, I couldn't escape it. Yeah. Even if I wanted there's to. There's no escaping. Yeah. You'd have to move to Malibu. Right. <laughs> Somewhere, you know. You're right. And so, um, couldn't escape it. I never put myself in a situation where I had, they had the opportunity to jump me in. Okay. You know, because again, who my brothers are. And who I knew, I don't think they were ever allowed me to, to okay. join it. Did your yeah. brother shield you from it a bit? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. That's smart on their part. Yeah. Because were they in? Uh, so what? two of my brothers are. One of my brothers got jumped in. Okay. But he said he's not doing that. He okay. says, F you, and I'm, out. I'm not part of that. Right. But he got jumped in forcefully. Yeah. What? <laughs> and behind the park, like at the park. Right. Just, and, and they just needed They the, just jumped them. Boom, you're yeah. in. Yeah. He's like, no way. I'm not part of that. <laughs> What a what a unbelievable crazy like experience where you don't want to be a part of the gang right. and they're gonna suck you in regardless. Right. They need a body. Boom, you're in with yeah, us. Definitely. And you don't want to be a part of it. No. It's just it's crazy. It's madness. Do do you feel in any way it affected like your social life having to grow up in South Central LA, like not being able to maybe have relationships with certain people or even date a certain girl because they're not the same skin color. She lives on that block, and hell, I'm not crossing two blocks over right. to go see her. Yeah. Is that did that happen in your life? Yeah. So I never dated a girl in the neighborhood. Okay. I had to go outside in order to date someone. Now, how far? We say outside. Like outside the city. <laughs> outside the city, where <laughs> it is funny because I mean. South Central is pretty big, pretty big. Yeah. It's and not a city as much as it's a, it's a plot of, it's yeah. a big area. Yeah. A so, region. Yeah. And so when we say outside, we probably, we're probably going to West LA, Coover City, uh, those areas. Okay. You know, and so, but I've never dated a girl. From South from Central. From South Central LA. Because it, it was just too dangerous. Because you don't know who her brothers are or what. Anything can happen between you and her. Sure. She, I'm going to call my big brother. Or I'm going to call my big cousin. Or just going there. Yeah. Just going to visit her. Just going her. to visit her. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was tough. It, it was just, you didn't want no a, part of it. Yeah. You could be a sweet 14-year-old in love. Right. And to go see this girl mm -hmm. cost you your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, once I got out of high school, um, I did date a black girl. And... She became the mother of my kids, so I have two kids with her. Okay. Yeah. So I did date outside my race and um, fresh out of high school. She was, I was 18. She was a senior. We ended up having our first child at, uh, I was 20. She was 19. Okay. So we ended, we ended up having two kids. Okay. Yeah, outside my race. Now, how, how was your school life? Did you, were you a good student? No. Did you, was... What was the lack then of being a good student? Because these are good things to learn and explain to kids. And hopefully someone listens to this podcast and it yeah. flips a switch and they understand. What would you have told young Andy at 13 now? Like, what could you tell him? Stay in school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just do your homework. I mean, school was not hard at all. I, w I was just not into it focused focus i was too busy doing other things focus on other things that i should never be doing right and um so but if i have to tell him i just focus just because there's uh there's a world outside of la right you know and so school education could take you to places that you've never been even thought about going just like how soccer has taken to me taking me places where i never thought i would be going just just Out, to go right yeah. just even outside of southern california right. right it's so crazy when you're 13 you think you know everything mm -hmm. and that 13 year old year is like the most important thing yeah. you have no idea time flies so right. fast were were mom and dad were they 
pushing education or were they really busy with either raising five kids, probably one or more jobs, like yeah. to stay on the baby? Right. Was that a difficult thing if you look back on it for them? Yeah, I, I think it was very difficult because again, we were, we're seven in a household. And so my parents had to work, you know, um, my, my dad got a city job in 89. I was three years old. So he started working for the city of Inglewood. Okay. And so ever since then he worked there for, he's retired now. He's worked there for like almost 23 years. Okay. He's been retired since 2006. Okay. And so, um, I mean, he used to go to work at five in the morning. My mom, Wow. my mom worked in Manhattan beach taking care of this uh, she was being a nanny okay um so um isn't she, that crazy she was helping another family while having a family right, right. normally a nanny is a job you think of a 20 year old yeah you know foreign exchange student right not a mother yeah so she used to go to work she had to be there by 7 30 so again Mahan, wow. from la to Manhattan beach it seems so long the drive seems so long but now it's like well it's not that far <laughs> but i mean she had to leave early in the morning you know, to be right. there by eight because um, you had to get the kid ready for school and, and stuff like that. And, you know, and during my vacations, she used to take me to the house where she was a nanny at, you know, right. a really good family. But um, she used to take me because, I mean, no one. Right. What are you going to do? Me, you know, until um, my nana, my nana used to take care of me once in a while, but she lived downstairs for me. Okay. And. My nana means the world to me. And she took care of me for a while, you know, where she, you know, taught me how to eat and stuff like with a spoon and fork and stuff like that. And she just took care of me. And um, now when you say Nana, what, it, what explain that? Is that nana? mom's side, dad's side? No, she was just a family friend. Okay. Yeah. Family friend that lived just downstairs. Uh, she didn't work. She was a stay home wife. Okay. And so she took care of me just to have a little extra cash or whatever. But she took really good care of me. That's like, nice. Yeah. So that I call her my nana. That's great. Yeah. So education then for you wasn't being pressed at home. Not not as much. Not as much. My, my mom, like, you got to be in school. You got to stay in school and stuff like that. But my mom didn't. My parents didn't really push the education because, again, I saw my sister and my brothers not finish high school. Okay. So I thought it was a normal thing not to finish high school. Really? Yeah. Yeah, see, influence. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're good now. Sure. I mean, uh, but me seeing them not finish high school or my my sister uh, became a mother at 17, 18. So um, she was a really young mother. And, you know, just seeing that, it's just like, well, I got to go to school. Right. So now as a father, have you now... How do you press education? It's number one thing. Number one thing. Yeah. Isn't it funny how it, it takes your decisions as a 13-year-old and now as a father, you're like, no, we're not doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, education is very important, you know, because I had to, when I went to college very late, you know, and I just, I, I, I recognize, I saw like, okay, I should have done this long time ago. Right. I was 28 years old when I went to school. Right. Yeah. No, it's the it's the one thing that gives you a chance. Doesn't matter where you're from. You could be from East LA, mm -hmm. South Central LA, or West LA. And those are very three different kinds of LA's. Right. Still in LA. Right. But if you graduate high school, don't have kids in high school or wait till you get married and right. then go to college, your chances of being successful 
are a thousand times better uh, yeah. than the 13-year-old that just has left to play Nintendo all day. Right. So, I mean, that's good that you're seeing that now as a father being like, no, I'm the hammer and education's the nail. I'm going to put it into you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you have to, man. Have to. Because, I mean, you know, I would love for my kids to play collegiate sports, but if they want to pursue a professional career, I'm up for it. But they have to have a diploma first right. before pursuing anything else. Right. Because they can blow out a knee and oh, they're yeah. done. Definitely. But no one's ever going to take that degree from them. Absolutely. Period. Yeah. So after high school, what's your path? Let's say you're 18. What, what's right? So you end up falling in love and dating this, this yeah. woman. Yeah. So we dated about four years, end up having two kids within okay. those four years. And then uh, we end up separating. Um, and then um, as soon as my second uh, son was born um, in 2008, you know, I was already kind of dating someone else. And then uh, I ended up moving with her and I actually moved out to Moreno Valley. Okay. In January 2009. And then after that, it was just like, what am I doing now? Right. I'm, I'm living with this girl. Yeah, what, what were you thinking at that time? What are your career paths? What, what are I you didn't doing have for anything. work? I didn't, I, I just did like some job security. Right. Just working security or. Minimal wage, BS yeah, jobs, just whatever. Definitely. Yeah. I had no sense of direction, nothing, you know. And so um, when I ended up moving with this girl, 2009, I started working with her brother at uh, construction. Okay. Doing drywall. Not for me. <laughs> Lasted three weeks. Oh, boy. You were that guy on the construction <laughs> yeah, side. Yeah, just no way I'm doing this for, for my life, like for the rest of my life. No way. I can't do that. That's real work right there. Oh, yeah. Tough. People don't understand that. That's yeah, tough. Yeah. Tough. I was just, I was sore. For those three weeks that I worked, I was sore for like three months. <laughs> <laughs> so it you was. You still have back pain when you think man, about it? I just carrying those drywalls up the, up the stairs because there's no elevator. It's just a pain. Yeah. Yeah. So no way. Uh, and then, so. Now, like, this is no. Now, this is no fault of like either your brothers because it's it's playing you know Monday quarterback right. or your dad, but did you wish someone would have grabbed you by the neck and said, "Listen, buddy, yeah. get your act together." I mean, like yeah. life's short. Oh yeah, you're only going to be twenty for so long. Like, kick you in the ass and kind of. Yeah. I I had I had people outside my family do that to me, like my coaches. Okay. And it just never clicked. Okay. You know, there's like, you're so talented, but what are you going to do with no grades? Or you can't, can't work. I mean, you can't find a real job, a career without education. I'm like sports, you have sports there, but if you don't have your grades, you can't play sports. Right. So I, I had that. Like again, Peter, he was my t-ball coach. Um, he, he always told me, you got to stay in school in order to play sports. If you want to do something out of this, you have to stay in school. Right. And But again, I was a kid, uh, whatever. Now, how good of a soccer player were you in high school? I played soccer my senior year only. Okay. Yeah, I played basketball my 9th, 10th, 11th. Now, it's not like, and people don't know this in the podcast, it's not like you're 6'8". So, yeah. I mean, you know, and there's not many kids from South Central LA who are Hispanic that come out and play NBA basketball. Right. So... 
if you're what how did you become late to soccer it was just something you finally decided i'll go out for the team uh so I'm, I, again, I, I was born into a soccer family. My my dad played soccer in Mexico. Right, that's my just mom, the odds in a yeah, Hispanic family. My mom played soccer. Uh, it's funny because my mom did not let my sister play soccer in high school. Really? Yeah. Why? I have no idea. Just no, no, no. You know, and my sister always that's holds funny that, that grudge. You, yeah, that's with funny her, that like, your mom played, yeah. it, but she wouldn't let yeah. you. Yeah. So my sister's like, yeah, my mom didn't let me play soccer, and I wanted to play soccer. But mom, di- mom didn't let me. What? Why? She let us play soccer. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But I no, re- I don't know why, to be honest with you. Okay. I don't know why. I, She just, every time it's brought up. It was denied. Just, uh, my mom just. Uh, well, there's a question for Thanksgiving dinner. Right. You guys could bring that up. Definitely. Definitely. So, I mean, we were born into it, play soccer. Uh, I never played on the field. I was just a goalkeeper from the first game on. You know? Really? Yeah. My dad threw me in goal and remember I got scored on eight goals, <laughs> seven or eight goals my first game. <laughs> and I took I took it personal. And I was like, I'm not going to let that ever happen again. And ever since then, I stuck to goalkeeping. Really? Yeah. Just kind of enjoyed being in that little box. Yep. Yep. I got scored on so much. And it was just like, there's no way this is going to happen again. Right. Was yeah. there much coaching for you, or is it just kind of like, here, kid, stop that white ball? Yeah, there's no coaching back then. Just <laughs> there, there's no personal right coaches as there is now. Right now, I mean, it's a no, totally every, different space. Every, yeah, yeah. But back then, it was just you had to be natural. Okay, you had to be a natural. Right. If you if you didn't, then just go to another sport, play try to play another sport where you know. You could be natural at it. Right. But there's no minimum, minimum coaching. So there was no path for you playing your senior year to be like, hey, there's an opportunity for you to even play like at a, a community college and yeah. continue your education and play soccer. Yeah. So you didn't even have that kind of push. So you just, right after school, you were done. You just fell off into yeah. like yeah. with everybody uh, else. Yeah. They were, they were trying to recruit me to ETLA College right out of high school. But again... I played I played competitive soccer but I like but there's nothing compared to these days back then where it's club soccer. Right. You have all these coaches, you have all these resources. Back then you didn't you didn't have it. You have your your uncle, your dad coaching the team. Right. You know, and so there was never that never never, never structured. You know, especially where I lived at, there's no way. You know, you had to go outside the city um, to even get some structure. You know, because my 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 brother Felix, um, he played, and he used to drive to Palos Verdes, Claremont, Montclair to play. Wow. Yeah. And so my my parents had to spend that money and that travel, just to take my my brother to play. Was he good? Yeah, he was good. My brother was really good. What did he play? He was a goalkeeper. Okay. But again, height just didn't help him. How tall was he? Yeah, uh, he's my height. Okay. He's five five seven. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was really good though. Really, really good goalkeeper, and he had a lot of potential. But then again, height came into play, and they never, never recruited him. Right. Yeah. So then, okay, so you're working construction, and that's not your thing. You no. just don't want to ever touch drywall again. No. So where do you go from there? So After I, construction kicks right. your ass. And then, so I was just, I didn't know what to do or what, you know. So um, I ended up working security again. I worked for the MetroLink's 
Metrolink uh, for security at the stations in Riverside County. Okay. Uh, and then I did that for a year or so. And then um, after that, it was just, what else? What What's new? What's next? You know, like, what am I going to do? Right. I'm a father of yeah. two. I now, I'm a do father something. of three now. Oh, three. Yeah, because my son was born in 2010. Oh, that's right. Okay. And so now I was like, what am I going to do? I have no, like, no education, no, nothing, nothing. So um, I'm just going through life, man. I'm just going through it, life, You're working here and there, and and then. Picking up Bob jobs wherever yeah, you just, can. Yeah, wherever I can, just to kind of feed the, the kids, you know, and, um, and then um, end up, so back in, in 2012, that's when me and her end up getting separated and so I end up back in my mom's, my parents' house, not knowing what to do, you know. And so, and by the time my mom cleaned houses, you know, she's like, well, you're going to come work with me. I'm like, I'm going to go clean houses with you? Right. I'm a grown man. Yeah. And you're gonna- <laughs> like, I mean, and she was like, well, you want money, right? Where are you going to work? So I was just like, you know what? All right. I went to go clean houses with my mom, and I was making a little $40 per house. So right. I used to clean two houses, it's $80 a day. And then, and that was How just did like, you take that? That was, I mean, I mean, again, my mom did that for a very long time. Right. And she made good money. But, and not to downplay it or anything, it was just, it was probably like the lowest thing I could ever done. Right. It's not what you thought you were going right. to do. Right. I mean, it's not, I'm sure when your mother was 20, she thought she was going to do, but you always look as a parent, you want better for your child. Right. Right. But she looked at it and said, this is all you've got, kid. That's, yeah. That's all I have. And I took it, you know, and I took it and um, I did that with my mom for, for a couple of, like maybe nine months or so. And then... Um, did you look at her differently now when she was doing that, going, wow, you re- this is hard? Yeah, I did. I did. And then the, when it hit me, I'm like, I have to go to school. I got on my knees and I had to clean the floor. Somebody else's mess. Yeah. Not your spilled milk. Yeah. Somebody else's yeah. mess. When I had to, like, on my knees because I had to clean the floor. Right. And that's when it was like, I can't do this anymore. I, this, is, this is the last day I'm coming. I'm going to school. Whatever I've got to do, I'm going to do. Uh, yep, and then I went, ended up going to school. I, I, went, uh, I went to East L.A. College in okay. uh, 2014. You just ran to the admission office to sign me up? Yeah, <laughs> and it's funny because <clears throat> I was playing, at the time I was playing PDL or playing like kind of Sunday League with L.A. Misioneros. It doesn't, that team doesn't exist anymore. But I was playing with them, and then... <clears throat> They were playing PDL. And so I was still trying to play soccer, trying to pursue something. Okay. But, it, again, it never happened because, again, I was short. Just I just didn't have the background. Right. I mean, to, you've got to, one year of right. high school. High school. Right. Everything soccer. else is club and fun. Yeah. So I didn't have a background. I didn't have. And at the time, I never trained properly. I never had a proper training with goalkeeping. Right. It, again, it just came natural. And so, or whatever your brother Felix was showing you, or my dad, or your dad, right? Yeah. 
but my dad trained it was awful. <laughs> right. But he didn't know any better, right? That's what that's I mean, what all he knew. All he did all he did was just throw the ball in the air and just dive. Right. Catch it. <laughs> he wouldn't tell you what leg to leave right. off uh, of nothing, or where to put your nothing. hand. Just yeah. dive, go get it. You know, that we did that back and forth for and like twenty minutes 13, and I'm but exhausted. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh my god, that was fun. Fun times though. You know, and um so I didn't have no background in anything. So, and then I had a friend. His name is Ricardo. He um, he coached at East LA College. Okay. So this was January of 2014 when I went to go visit him at the college. It was him and Coach Eddie Flores, <clears throat> and it was like, hey, you know, you have two years of eligibility to play college soccer, right? I'm like, what? 20, I'm about to be 28 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm about to be 28 years old, and what am I going to do playing soccer with 19, 18-year-old kids, kids, you know? yeah, kids. Yeah, it's like, and don't look at it that way. Look at it, you're getting a free education. You know, like, you get an education and you get to play junior college soccer. I'm like, can I even play? Like, yeah, there's no age limit to junior college. Right. None. And so I was just like, thought about it. So just time went on. And then I was just like, all right, let's do it. I'm like, I want to go back to school. This is what I wanted. So might as well just play soccer while I'm at school. You know? And But then again, what I'm going to do for money, I got three kids. I got to feed. I got gas to pay. Right. I got cell phone bills to pay and everything else. So, meanwhile, I still did that with my mom, you know, going and working with her whenever I can. And then um, I did that until I went to had to actually roll in, in fall. Okay. I went to the summer. Trained and played. Yeah, trained and, and summer classes and then, and then fall classes and f- season. But at this time, I was already living in Rancho Cucamonga. I moved in Rancho Cucamonga in 2014. That is far from East L.A. Yeah. It was a drive, especially in the mornings, coming going towards LA. It's just right. traffic with was everybody hectic. coming out. Oh yeah, hectic. My first class was like at eight in the morning. What time did you leave the house? I had to leave around six. Oh boy, every day. It's a two-hour commitment just to get to class. Just to get to class. Yeah. So I mean, I I did that for the semester, and then um, and I played, and then um, opportunity came where go to Mount Sac which is way closer to my house and then um, that happened um, ended up going to Mount I ended up transferring to Mount Sac in January of two, uh, 2015 okay um, took my winter classes my spring classes my fall classes there I ended up playing in the fall for Mount Sac now now you say you're, you're taking your classes now what kind of a student are you I'm a very good student very good student. Do you think the maturity helps that? Or oh, yeah. is it termination? Maturity and, and a little bit of both. Okay. Especially determination for myself, where I needed to do it. I needed to be good in class in order to play. Right. And like where I should have done that in high school. Like, doesn't matter if season's coming up. When season was coming up, I was a good student where, okay, I need my grades. I need a 2.0. Right. Need a 2.0. Then yeah. they let you play in CIF. Yeah. And then and after that, right. it just... Um, you're School just, is not right. it's a back burner. Right. <laughs> so do you think 
maybe if mom had taken you to scrub some houses and floors when you were 13 or 14, that might have put a fire underneath you to be like, I don't want to do this. Probably, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say most likely, yes. Right. Scrubbing saying, other people's yeah. toilets. Yeah, no way I would have been doing that. that I would have been like, no, I'm, I'm sticking to school. There's no way right. I'm doing that. Like, yeah, I, I, no that, way. No. No way. So it's funny that it, it found you later in life. Yeah. The scrubbing the floors and bathrooms and whatever you were doing flipped the switch and you'd be like, I, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't be 60 years old cleaning somebody's bathroom. Right. Yeah. And my mom does it st- to this day, but God love she's her. she's getting a little older and she can't do it no more. Right. But I mean, she don't she doesn't have to do it; she chooses to do it. Right. But she's like, I I could use those hundred dollars. Sure. For something. Yeah, a little this, a little yeah. that. Yeah. Your dad and I go out to dinner. Yeah. But I mean, you you're a young man with yeah. mouths to feed, and right. you had no opportunity because of you didn't take care of your schooling like right. you should have, and now this opens up the doors to you and says, I, I, I got to do better than this. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So when you're now you're at Mount Sac, you're a student. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a that student. That plays soccer. soccer. Yeah. I'm a student athlete. Right. At 29. Right. But it's funny. It, you know. Yeah. If you would tell that kid now, at tw- you're 29 and you tell that kid at 16, like, listen, yeah. trust me, I'm telling you, you can do better than this. That's the kind of kid or adult you need to tell 13-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 17-year-olds, like, listen, education is so important. Right. I, I know you think in high school you know better. Right. Trust me. Look at me. I can tell you it means something. Yeah. Yeah. I was really good in basketball. Really good. And the coach was like, you're going D1. You're going D1. And it ha- and opportunity came, but just my grades were not there, hmm. and I just I messed that up. Right. My coach Ed Waters, and my the the assistant coach Ellison, Coach Ellison used to pick me up from from my house on the weekends and take me shooting, shooting jumpers. Right. A thousand jumpers, Saturday a thousand jumpers on Sunday. Pick me up from my house, because he. He knew. He saw something. He saw something. And every weekend, every weekend, he used to pick me up. What high school did you go to? Thomas Jefferson. Okay. And was it a decent team? Yes. Yes, very decent team. But then again, you have Crenshaw High, Dorsey, Fremont, Manual Arts. Right. Locke. You had those teams where... Dominguez. There's all, that was just packed with college, or, uh, t- college talent playing on high oh, yeah, school teams. D- D1. I think... Four out of five guys were D1 prospects in right. every school. You know, and it was predominantly black. Right. I was sure. I was only I was a only Hispanic. No, I was the only Hispanic playing in the Coliseum League. Really? Yeah. And it was I had a Hispanic teammate, but he hardly played. Okay. So at least there's another guy you can yeah. look at and be like, hey brother. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> you and I <laughs> So, so, like, so let's say you don't go to Duke, but there was a possibility for you to go somewhere. Washington. Somewhere. That's yeah. somewhere. Washington Huskies. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And again, when that, that situation got brought, uh, occurred, 
I didn't think nothing of it. Nothing. You know, right now, like, if it's a D1 school, even ask for you right now for kids, it's like you accomplished something. Sure. But at the time, for me, A, Washington's interested in you. They saw you play a couple of times already. What do you think? Nothing. I didn't, it didn't react. I didn't, whatever. Didn't mean anything. Nothing. Nothing. They're interested. Pac-12, uh, well, Pac-10 team. Right. Is interested in you. At a five-foot-five shooting guard from L.A. Right. Who's not black. Who's not black. Right. And that means something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Coming from there, it means Because right, your something. competition in your, in your league yeah. was fierce. Yeah. I mean, if you look up those teams, even now, Crenshaw High School dominates the basketball world in California. Right. Or even the nation. Right. They got players coming oh, yeah. out of that area. Amazing players, dude. Amazing. Dorsey High as well. Manual Arts, not so much. I mean, we had talent in our team. Oh, man. Travis Lee and Keon Wilson were, were the one and two guard. Okay. I was coming off the bench. Okay. But those guys are ferocious, man. They're, they could get anything they wanted, any jumper. They drive to the hole. And I got my game from them a lot. It was just because in practice, they'll put me in the practice squad and they'll have those two guys double team me every time. So I had to learn how to really play. Right. And it was it was fun. It was fun because I embraced it because the coach would, would purposely do it. They'll double team me in practice and say, solve the problem. What can you do? Right. And I had to show them what I was capable of, you know. And then Coach Ellison, again, he used to take me to Redondo Union High School. Okay. To, to to train. Mm-hmm. He was best friends. Well, he was really good friends with Andre Miller. Okay. And Andre Miller said, come out with me and train and practice. And I got, I learned so much from him where my game was just, I was very, not to say anything about myself or pump my, but I was really good. Training with a pro like Andre Miller. Sure. Was just special. Yeah, he had a, what, a 15-year 15 NBA career? career? Yep. Yeah. It was special, you know, and even at the park I used to play in. I grew up with Russell Westbrook. Okay. I used to play with Russell when he was like 12, 13, 14 years old, you know, and you'll see Isaiah Ryder coming into the gym and play. You had Cheryl Swoops coming in here and playing. You had talents in, in L.A. where they used to come in the gym and play. Like we used to call this guy named Houdini. He he would probably jump in three feet for a jumper. <laughs> oh Jesus! And the guy was like six two already. Imagine jumping almost here for a jumper. He had a pogo stick in Man, his butt. Jesus, dude, that dude was bunnies. He had a lot of a lot of hops, man. <laughs> he he his jumper was deadly, and he was jumping so high. There's no way. It was like KD now. K- right. No, no one could could block KD's just jumper. Elevate. Just elevate. I mean, KD's almost seven feet tall. Right. And this and guy was. He's still going. And he's still going. And this guy was six one, six two, already jumping that high. But again, drinking every day, and just got him. Right. But he was talented. Another guy named Johnny Floyd. You know, he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, jumper. That guy was a professional basketball player going to be a professional basketball really? player he got shot in the hit for stealing mopeds oh jesus 
God. That finished his career. Uh-huh, I could see. Yeah, he walked with the limp. Got a sweet limp now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he walked with the limp, but, oh, man, get him on the basketball court. See him as a little kid playing. It's just like, it's like watching Michael Jordan on TV. It's just poetry in motion. There's so many guys that have that story. Oh, yeah. They were unbelievable talent. Yeah. They were just as good as a Jordan, a Shea Cotton, a, a Hank Gathers, uh, a, what a LeBron would have been. Right. And their lives were lost yeah. to stupidity, being yeah. in the wrong place the wrong right. time, yeah. being shot in the hip, yeah. overdose, gang life, being oh, yeah. arrested. Yeah. Gone, just gone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember I was scrolling to Twitter not a while, like a while back ago. It was a, it was a post saying um, there's ha- uh, could have beens. Oh. Right. And it's like, oh, good talent, this and that, but the grades, no grades. Right. And it was like that. I felt attacked. You know, I felt it's like, damn, that was me. That And that was a lot of people that I knew. Sure. You know, like Keon Wilson, Travis Lee, and and all those guys that I played with, they're they were D one talents. Maybe could have gone pro, maybe, but they were D one talents. You know, and and to see them when finish high school, you see them doing nothing. Yeah, that was it. Running the streets. That was as good as they had it. And they didn't know there was more. Ah oh, man, we had a couple of guys make it out from Jefferson, like Gary Love. Okay, football. Right. Play Arizona. Travis Smith play Arizona. Arizona State football. I mean, we had a couple of guys go D1, but not to the pro level. Right. But So now so now you you're figuring it out at Mount Sac. Yeah. You're student first, yeah. then you play soccer. Yeah. Is that is that giving you a bit of confidence? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. You know, now like now I'm getting good grades. I'm I'm doing my work. I'm doing everything I have to do in order to move on and actually go into four year and you know get my degree finally right and where'd do you something. get your degree at I'm still in the process of getting my degree okay you know I was uh, I graduated Mount Sac with my AA okay um, I was supposed to start Fullerton um, but we had to work something out for me in order for me to go in, into Fullerton and finish off because I only have like 50 units okay to be done with but hopefully Next year coming up, uh, I'm enrolled and I, I get it done. But I'm, I mean, I'm there. I'm okay. almost there. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So then, where do you find yourself after Mount Sac after playing ball there? So, um, the championship game, uh, semifinals at, with Mount Sac, I, bro- I broke my tibia and I got a concussion in the ninth minute. How in the hell did you do that? Uh, coming out for a cross. It's actually on YouTube if you ever want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that in the link in the podcast. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was ninth, like ninth. 30, and we were down one zero already, uh, came out for a cross, I punched it out, the guy headbutted me in the midair, knocked me out, landed on my, f- like, I uh, landed awkwardly in my foot. Because you're like unconscious? Yeah. You're just-, just my whole dead weight just fell on my foot and fractured my tibia. Wow. Yeah. And after that, I, I don't remember, as soon as I punched it, I don't remember anything after that until maybe I was in the hospital. But waking was, up with nurses and doctors no, I didn't wake I was woke I like I woke up as soon as he knocked me out I instantly when I broke my my, my tibia I felt it I just woke me up and I would just like 
confused. I was just like, what's happening? I couldn't move my, my ankle, my leg. I couldn't move it because it would hurt. And then the ref, on the video, I could hear the ref, are you okay? And I don't remember that. And I'm just telling him no. And I, because I see on the video, but I don't remember telling him right. anything. I don't remember the athletic trainers asking me anything. And you can just see me. Yeah. In, you can just see there. me talking to him or just crying or being pain. And, but I don't remember none of that until I was in the hospital already when they told me, yeah, you got a fractured tibia. Adrenaline's kicked in and yeah. you're just not you. Definitely. So that happened. So now we lost, we ended up losing that game two to one. Uh, we go back home and then again, we had to finish classes that time and I couldn't go to class because I was in the cast on crutches. I had no one help me to get to class. And you're in Moreno Valley. No, I'm in uh, Rancho. Oh, Rancho. I'm in Rancho Cucamonga. Okay. So is it, what leg is it you break? My right leg. So oh. I couldn't drive. So yeah, it's your gas brake yeah, leg. Yeah, I, I couldn't drive. And then um, I now had a teammate. His name is uh, Rolando. He used to live down the street from me, which he would take me, you know. And then, um, but I mean, he couldn't do it all the time. Right. And so um, I, I, for my speech class, I didn't even, I didn't even go for like the last week or finals. Wow. Because I couldn't go. Right. Did they try to work anything out with you? Uh, she gave me a C. Okay. Because I, I missed a lot of work. I missed a final. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, eventually I got a C on that on that class and other classes. I already I was pretty good where I didn't have to really be there and 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 take the final. But I, my grace did drop because again I lost a lot of points. Sure. But I ended up doing good anyways. Um, and then come springtime, I'm doing a rehab still. Spring, I mean, winter starts in January. I'm still in the cast. I wasn't in the cast until like mid-April. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was still going to winter class. you broke a what, like November? Late December. De- er, early December? Early December. Jesus, that's six months. Yeah. Yeah. Your was, leg must have been skinny. Oh, yeah. I already have skinny legs by it is, but that one's just... Yeah, just bone. Little female model leg, yeah. just skinny little thing. I mean, that's a lot of yeah. time for attribute to kick in, right? And so, um, I'm doing. Um, I go to winter classes, still in the cast, and I'm doing that. I'm, I'm struggling. My my mom have to take me to school, and I have to get dropped off, and I just go lit my way up to class. So Oof. I was taking two classes in winter. Okay, and so one class was like. Uh, by the swimming pool. The other one was an English building. So I had to walk all the way over there to the English building. And so um, I had to have an assistance like where they come pick you up in the car and take you to your class. <laughs> but the class was uh, like in the third floor in English, uh, second floor in English class, English building. So I had to walk up there. While my, my left foot was strong. <laughs> Those Dragging stairs. you up the stairs. Yeah. And so, I mean, I had to struggle. You know, and I and I did, and I finished both classes with uh, with two Bs. Good. Yeah, and then after that, um, take a week off. Then end up springtime. By end of springtime, um, I mean, I'm off the cast now. I'm doing rehab, going to class. Um, still can't play, and I was trying to move on. You know, to a four year where. I was going to go to NAIA. 
Okay. I was going to go to Vanguard because Vanguard talked to me during season. Okay. That's right down here. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I think I didn't think I don't think Vanguard knew about my injury because we just kept it like, oh, I'm not ready to play or I got a little minor little tweak in my ankle. I can't do it because they wanted to come watch me play in the spring. Sure. Because we played D1 schools. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, no, I just, I'm, he's not ready today. You know, he's not going to play. He got injured in training and stuff like that. Because, I mean, they didn't want to tell him. A 29-year-old with the with with broken a leg. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like, no, nah, it was just, you know, whatever. You know, they'll pass on me or whatever. But um, I ended up getting good. I, I recovered. Um, so summer comes. I applied to Vanguard. I got accepted to Vanguard. Um, everything else working out for me. I'm like, I'm going to Vanguard. Very expensive, though. And um, I go. Yeah, because that's a private Christian yeah, school, right? Yeah. 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 And so um, I'm talking to the coaches while it's all this process. Like, so what about the sports scholarship and stuff like that? Because they're giving it out. And um, it never replied to me about sports scholarship, but they're always talking about going to school. All right, cool. So I go to, I go to Vanguard. And then um, I got a $20,000 uh, academic scholarship. Okay. And the school is forty grand a year, and I was just like, "So what am I going to do with the other 20? Like, and I so I told the coach, "Like, this is my budget. If you could help me out with that, at least with something, because I got to come with twenty grand." Right. I'm like, "Can you help me out? With something. This is my budget. At least can you come in the middle? Let me pay this or a little bit more of that. Uh, Meet me halfway. Yeah, something. something. And never, that's a big gap to fill. Oh yeah." And so I'm actually in training, captive's practice already. So season's around around the corner, and I haven't heard anything about financial uh, sports scholarship. So I was just like, mm. "Hey, man, I'm driving from Rancho Cucamonga to Vanguard, Costa Mesa every day to train." And I'm like, "What's going on?" Yeah, fill me in. Here. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, and for sure. And the coach was like, "Oh, we can't give you anything." Like you should have told me that long time ago, where I could have gone somewhere else. Right. You know, so that didn't happen. So I go back to Mount Sac. It was 2016, the fall. Like I go back, like, hey, it didn't work out. This, this is this will happen. Talk to Coach Juan. Well, come help me out with the goalkeepers. And that's how I started my career coaching. Interesting. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. So had Vanguard come up with the money, there might have been a switch in your path. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't know what happens. Yeah. And so he gave me my opportunity to coach. I being like an assistant because uh, Frank Boost was the goalkeeper coach at Mount Sac. So it was like, when he's not here, you can you help me out? Fill in. You're like, yeah, sure. So you do any more schooling at that time? Yeah, I'm still in school. So then at- on the fall? No, I, I again, I, I was done okay. with Mount Sac. So I didn't have no more schooling and it was too late for me to enroll at any school. Okay. So I started coaching. I started with Mount Sac and I just did that for the for the fall. Are you working at the time? Um yes, I was working. Okay. I was working and then um I was working working a, a later shift. Um okay. So but I was doing that in the mornings and so, and so I was coaching. I was part of the staff at Mount Sac 2016, and then we went to um, Las Vegas. We played at UNLV okay. uh, before the season started, and we played versus uh, Yavapai, a school in Arizona. 
and I'm sitting the bench. So the game starts. I'm sitting the bench, and I have Coach Mike next to me. And it's like 10, 15 minutes into the game. And I turn around. It's like, this is what I want to do. I turned to him and told him that. This is what I want to do. I want to coach. I want to be a goalkeeper coach. Really? Just yeah, like that? Just Boom. like that. Like someone just slapped you on the forehead. Yeah. This, this is, is what it. I want to do. Yeah, 10, 15 minutes into the game. And I just turned to him. What do you think it was? I don't know. I, I can't pinpoint the feeling or what made me do that. But it made, it made me do that. Was it a play, that. a person, a just, just, or just a sense? Just like a you sense were, of you it. You were in the right place. Yeah, I was in the right place with the right people. And, and it, it just it, 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 made, it made me fall in love with coaching. Just like just that. being day in day out with those with that with that staff, and they treated me like family. Like they didn't treat me like because I was just a player right. a year ago. A year ago, yeah, you were a guy with a yeah. number on your back. Yeah. So now when I transition into coaching, they embrace me. Like now I got they, a polo on. Yeah, I got a polo <laughs> on. And you know they, but again, I was twenty nine years old going into my third. I was about, I was thirty already. Right. And so. Um, but uh, yeah, I was in the right place, right time, just to, uh, with the right people around me, you know. And you know, Coach Ray, Frank, Juan, Mike, and and Mauricio were just like helping me. Just this how coaching goes, and this is you know how you got to do it. And Frank is always telling me that the goalkeepers. You know, just teaching me the ropes. So, what was he? Was that, that was my question? What is he teaching you? How to teach a goalie? Yeah, how to transition your words into the into telling the goalkeeper. Right. You can have the knowledge, but if you don't have the experience, how can you translate your knowledge into that goalkeeper? Into that thick skull, eighteen year old's head. Correct. And that time we had a a, a freshman. Really good goalkeeper. He played for UCR. Won the Big West. Okay. Edwin Gutierrez. Okay. Uh, we had him at Mount Sac in 2016, 2017. So in 2016, he was coming out of the LA Galaxy Academy. Big shot. So he thought he knew everything. Right. But he had been getting decent training. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He wasn't getting it from his uncle. No. He, he was at Academy, at LA Galaxy right. Academy. You know, and so for him, for me, for him to... Me be coaching him. What do you know? Right, sure. You don't know anything. Right. I just had some guy with international experience right. teaching me some stuff two weeks ago. Definitely. Yeah. So that kind of like, I want to learn more. Sure. Yeah. In coaching, yeah. It, you can never stop learning. Yeah. You can learn from coaches. You can learn from players. You can yeah. lear learn just like you were saying. Having the ability to explain yourself and get it through to the players is the most difficult yeah. challenge. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you could be knowledgeable, but if you cannot translate that into having the kid do exactly what you wanted, if you can't do that, there's no way you're going to be a good coach. Right. And every year you get older and the freshmen stay the same age. They're 18 again. Mm -hmm. Another 18-year-old comes in. Now you're getting farther away from being 18 and explaining to them, like, no, this is, right. this is how it works. Trust me. Right. I know I have gray hair now, but I know what I'm talking <laughs> right. about. You know? Yeah. Now, it was a learning experience that so, first year. So were you oh just a God. sponge and absorbed as much Everything. as you could? 
everything, even from not just from Frank, from everyone. Right, on the all staff. the coaches. Yeah, everybody's got something to give you. Yeah, I mean, shoot, Mount Sac has been the elite community college in, in, in the country for fifteen years. Juan has been there for twenty years. Really, that long? Yeah. Wow. You know, and the staff been with Juan for like fourteen years together. That's unheard of. Yeah. And so how was that first year for you? Like I said, it was just learning, trying to learn as much as possible. Just trying your ideas, new ideas, you know, and see what works for me, what doesn't work for me. Uh, just sitting back and just watch them, just right. how they conduct themselves in training, outside of training, how the preparation goes, the planning. It's a lot to it. You know, and the, even at a community college, they they act like it's a Division One. They don't act like it. It it looks like they a operate D1. Oh, like yeah. they, that's the difference. Yeah, they, they operate as a D one school. Right. A lot of people can act like one. Yeah. But if you don't operate internally like right. one, you're fooling yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, just seeing that was just like, wow, this is what it's like to be actually in a in a in a in a school or an environment like this and like I never been part of it until I got there and, and because I, my first year I, I saw it as a player mm -hmm. now I'm seeing it as a staff member right the curtains pulled back a little bit now yeah. now you see how it works yeah how the operations how everything works yep yeah yep and it was interesting very interesting it was fun it was fun though it was really fun like did we, the players take to you even because it's you know and you know this now being a couple years into coaching, sometimes the players are more open to the guy who's closer to them in age or closer to them in a playing sense. Like, oh, you only mm -hmm. played three years ago? Yeah. You understand what I'm going through. Then right. a guy who might be 30 or 40 years removed from playing, mm -hmm. and they're like, he's the old coach. Yeah. I mean, I was really close to a guy named Gabriel Silva. Okay. You know, he's internationally from Brazil. Came over and... Um, my first year I played with him, I said he was his coach, but I mean, and I, I, I coached a couple of players that I played with, you know, they, again, they didn't take me seriously where I, he's my coach. Yeah. I just played with you last right, year. Yeah. You know, but I was really close with Gabriel and Gabriel, like where he would ask me questions, you know, he will be just asking me a lot of questions about just life or in soccer in general. You know, I got really, really close to him. And I'm still close to him. You know, he's going out to pros and professional soccer player now and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we hang out once in a while whenever he's out here in California. But um, he went to CBU, graduated with his bachelor's at CBU. Good. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it was very interesting. The, the, the transition was very interesting. Right. How yeah. long did you stay at Mount Sac? So I was there for the fall of 2016. Okay. Um, I did spring with them in 2017. Um, and then in the summer of 17 was, I made a jump. Well, I, I made the decision to leave Mount Sac. We won a state title in 2016. Okay. okay. And um, without even thinking about it or talking to Juan or the staff about it, I just made the decision to go to East LA College and coach. Okay. Yeah. There was an opening? There was an opening. They called me like, hey, you want to come coach? And I was just like, yeah, why not? Because it was going to be my own thing. 
right? I was an assistant at the time where, you know, I'm learning. But then it was, I think that, I I, I think I did jump the, the, the gun on that. I should never left. Okay. But I think leaving Mount Sac at the time was very good for me. It, it, I discovered myself as a coach because I was the guy. Okay. I was the coach. Right. You know, and so um, I think Juan was pretty mad about it. <laughs> you know, um, so but you know it's like wish me good luck and that's it. And I made the made the move to East LA College. Um, I I coached there. Picked my goalkeepers. I recruited the goalkeepers. I picked them tryouts and all that. So it was a overwhelm. It was overwhelming at first, but then it yeah, that's yeah. really throwing yourself into the fire. Yeah. Yeah, and so, but again, you're prior, you're the lowest man on the totem pole. And now you're making decisions, right? Definitely. Like now, I'm making decisions: who plays or who doesn't play. You know, it's a like again, it, it helped me a lot. That's big. Yeah, it helped me a lot, and it just discovered me as a as a coach. You know, and so we finished out the season, went to playoffs. We lost to Golden West two to one. Season ended. <clears throat> um. Didn't again, my friend. I mean, we've been knowing each other since we were in diapers, you know. And um, it just kind of towards the end of the season, kind of just drifted apart. Okay. You know, we just had some some decisions we didn't agree on. And that's that happens a lot yeah. in coaching. Yeah. So decisions we didn't agree on, and I wanted to win because I just came from Mount Sac winning. Right. And I wanted to win. I want to win. No matter where I go, I want to win. Sure, because yeah. mediocrity or losing just sucks. I right. mean, that just wears on you. Yeah, I, I wanted to win. And he did it. He was just going through the motions and just kept paycheck. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is how I saw it. That's how you perceived it at yeah. the time, sure. Yeah. And um, I was just like, nah, I can't, do, I can't be in this environment. I want to win. I don't care how or I just want to win. Right. Once it gets into your blood, yeah. you, there's nothing else you want to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, and you guys made the playoffs. It wasn't like yeah. you guys were 4 and 15. No, we made the playoffs, you know. And so you weren't dogs. We were decent. Right. We were decent. And it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I'm like, playoffs is not enough. Playoffs is not the goal. That's not the goal. Right. And Maybe for, some, for that school was. Yeah, and for some schools, some yeah. coaches, and certainly for some players, yeah. that's playoffs. enough. Yeah. You know, keep your job. You make the playoffs, keep your job right. kind of thing. Keep yeah. people off the police blotter, graduate some kids. Right, right. Make the playoffs a couple of year, year here, year there. Yeah. You're good. AD yeah. keeps you around. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think I wanted to make a difference with the kids as well. But because the kids came from where, I'm com where I came from. Hard-headed. Didn't know no better. Thought they knew everything. Right. And they just come into college and play soccer. But I was, it's more than that. I was trying to talk to them and just kind of make a difference, you know, because I didn't have that growing up. I, I mean, I did, but not at the extent where they're on me. Right. You know, it's like, oh, you're a D1 player, uh, but never helped me to actually go to school and get my grades. Right. And you might have heard the people when you were a kid saying that, but you weren't listening. Yeah. Right, just Definitely. noise. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, in yeah. front of me, but yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. Huh? Yeah, but you're not taking it in. Yeah. And so, um, didn't work out. I mean, because again, uh, I've been friends with him for a long time, and it just kind of 
just disagree on things and then just I'm like if I want to coach I just cannot be a part of this environment or this structure here like where nothing no right can't do that so season ended I end up got this opportunity to go to Philadelphia for the United uh, Coaches Convention great yeah I, I end up going there um you know, go to classes for the goalkeeping department. Um, just, Did you learn a lot? Was I that learned helpful? a lot. Yes, definitely. I I recorded sessions, wrote a lot of notes. Smart man. Um, just You're never too old to never, learn and learn, never. take notes and yeah. absorb from other people. Yeah. So I went to every goalkeeping session they had, and I went. You know, and it was a good. It was a good time because I'm in Philadelphia. I mean, never been out of the state. <laughs> really? That was your first time? Well, not my first time, but actually being free. Okay. As an by adult. myself. Right. Yeah. Because I, when I was at Mount Sac, we went to Washington, D.C. to play. Okay. okay. But it was just a hotel, bus, train, eat. Right. Eh. Yeah. Right. But when I went to Philly, it was like my actual first time as an adult going by myself somewhere. And I was just, I was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I walked everywhere. You know, after the sessions were done in convention, because, you know, I was just like, all right, well, let's see. I went to the Rocky statue. Rocky Liberty, statue. Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell. Get some cheesesteak. Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going back. Definitely, I'm going back uh, to the marketplace. Uh-huh. Ryan, uh, oh. Yeah, you can put on 10 pounds on that trip. Oh, yeah, definitely. Meat and cheese oh, and yeah. lots of bread. Yeah, I was there for, what, three days? I was there for three days. Uh, oh, my God. Your cholesterol probably shot it. up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it as much as possible. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be back. So I got to enjoy it, you know. And so um, and I was there at the, at the time where Philly was playing the Vikings in the NFC championship game. Okay. You know, um, so I'm out there. I'm at the bar hanging out, watching the game. Yeah, they Philly won and it just went bananas in at downtown because I was staying in downtown Philly and it was just phew, bananas. So at a convention like that, what are you taking in? What are you looking for from a coach's perspective? The way he talks, the way he, his whole, how he commands the field, the, the goalkeepers of field, just how do he, he interacts with the with the with the goalkeepers, how does he speak? How does he translate what he's saying to the? Who's, to the who's leading the seminar at the time? Uh, so it's just various goalkeeper coaches. Uh, okay. I know we had uh, Duke. Okay. Duke. We had Paul Rogers and uh, from Houston okay. uh, Academy, Houston uh, Dynamo. Um, we had um, New England Revolution Academy. I forgot his name, Matt something. I forgot okay. his name, uh, but. They're running the sessions, so they're high, high quality guys. So I mean, and again, it was my first time ever going and shadow or see a session outside of Mount Sac, you know. And so I just learned a lot, you know, how they act, how they talk, just you know how they translate their words into the into the field and what they specifically want out of the goalkeeper. Sure. How to look for talent. How to see okay this guy needs to work on this this and that you know it's just different things you, you just take it all in it's a lot of information but again not everything's gonna stick when you just write notes right so kind of go back to it because not everything's not gonna stick that's a lot of information yeah, yeah. yeah. 
so being thrown at you, and you're trying correct. to absorb it all in. Correct. So it's just a lot of notes, and just the words they say, like because you have goalkeeping words that a field player or somebody else doesn't know. It's just little words here and there where parry, you know, like parry the ball. Like some some people don't know what parry means. Right. You know, like or goalkeepers. At, An attacker had, has no idea yeah, what you're talking yeah, about. So, some goalkeepers don't even know what parry means. Like, well, parrying just deflecting the ball and not, you know, deflecting into non-dangerous areas. You know, make a decision with those hands, catch or parry. Right. You know, so, um, but yeah, man, it was fantastic, fantastic opportunity. It was worth every penny. Every and penny. Every second you were sitting in yeah. the seat listening. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so it was an eye-opener for me. Um, go back. Did I feel like leaving there, you're like, I'm a better coach today than I was 72 hours yes. ago? Yes. Absolutely. Worth every penny then. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, you know, because you could, you, you could look at YouTube and stuff, but you don't know what's the purpose behind yeah, it. That, yeah. You just see drills on, on drills on drills. Right. It's just like social media nowadays. You have people diving over benches and stuff. Like, what the, <laughs> you know, like, come on, man. Like, kids see that. Oh, I want to do that. But no, stop. Yeah. What's the purpose, yeah. really? You know, and so... Um, but so you leave, come back. So I, I, I go back home. Go back home, and then I'm like, what's next? You know, I'm, uh, I left East LA College. Here comes Juan. Hey, you want to come back? Help me with the goalkeepers here in the spring? Sure. I'm, man, I love that place. I love Mount Sac, and I had no hesitation going back. Oh, is Frank still there? Yeah, he's still there okay. to this day. So I was just like, man, hey. I'm I'm okay with that. So I do spring with them. Now is this non-paying at this time? So it's volunteer work. Okay. So but I I get paid like camp money and stuff like sure, that. Sure, you help out camp <laughs> yeah. money and stuff. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. Not every coach on that bench is it's getting paid. a paycheck from either the university, a state, right. or a private school. No, right. A lot of it's camp money. Yeah, and that's camp money it. just or private. You become a private coach. Yeah. <clears throat> Where you're doing lessons outside of that and. um and that's how I became too, like become a private coach, like just a personal goalkeeper coach. Right. You know, just extra money here and there. And, um, but yeah, uh, I went back to Mount Sac and my this whole time I'm, I'm being, becoming best, well, not best friends, but really close to John Lamelli. You remember John? No. He was a goalkeeper coach at Fullerton for. Oh, yes. Okay. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yes. So I, I'm. I'm getting real close to him just friendship wise and then he comes to me like uh, April or so and he's like hey I think I'm going uh, I'm leaving Fullerton right the carousel of coaches yeah. I'm leaving you're, yeah. someone's coming yeah so I'm like I think I'm leaving but I can't I'm not it's not confirmed yet but right. I, I think I'm leaving would you be interested I could recommend you to George Coons you know and the staff at that time I'm like I'm not ready <laughs> Uh, it's just the first thought, I'm not ready. Right. I don't even have a D3 or D2 yeah. experience. That's a big right. jump. And you go to D1, it's big jump. And I'm like, I'm not ready. But I never told him that. But just in my head, I'm like, I'm not ready for that. But I was just like, oh. It's a natural yeah. thing to say because yeah. it's it's not, it's regardless of confidence. Right. It's an experience level. Yeah, it is. You have to have experience to be in a D1 level because you're working with goalkeepers that want to go pro. Right. You're not going. You're not working with goalkeepers that want to go to the next level, which is the four year. You want. They want to go get paid. Right. And you're playing against people. Yeah. 
that are going pro, top notch yeah. pro players. Right. Yeah. And so I was just like, man, I don't know. So I was just like, yeah, let me think about it. Let me know when it's everything is situated with you, and then uh, you know we could talk. Yeah, perfect. So it goes on. I, I talked to Juan like, hey, maybe this is gonna happen. You know, this is brought, this got brought up to me. Sure. For um, and then yeah, came July. He like he called me like, hey man, I just left Fullerton. I just recommend you to George Coons. They'll be calling you soon. Perfect. Go to Juan. He's like, hey, this is going to happen. All right. Yeah, George Coons ended up calling Juan. It's asking about me and sure. stuff like that. And I, I go for an interview end of July. But it was really not an interview. It was just a more of a conversation. Just mm-hmm. a Get buddy, to know buddy. You. Yeah. Let's talk over yeah. coffee. Yeah. Make so sure you're, just, you know what you're talking about. Right. George Coons, uh, Carlos Aguilar, and Jorge Reyes okay. were in the meeting. Yep. In the interview so we just interviewing we're just talking and you know a couple of questions about goalkeeping but not much you know yeah man it's like all right man we'll be in contact i got a couple of guys interviewing all right perfect thank you go back to mount sack by the time mount sack's already in, in summer training because they start a little earlier in the juco level so i'm still going back to mount sack and training and stuff like that and and then mike comes and tells me you got it, bro. What? Yeah, they call Juan. You got it. Really? Yeah. Well, when you left that meeting, how did you feel? Did you feel like there was a possibility, or was I, just kind I, of? I a- felt a good possibility because I was recommended by the previous goalkeeper coach. Okay. But again, I have no experience. Right. So maybe they was interviewing, even if they did interview an experienced guy, you know. But going through that process was just an experience. Sure. You know, the interview like, process yeah. is important. Yeah. So, I mean, if I didn't get the job, I would have been like, okay, I've been through it now. I understand what I they're understand. talking about, yeah. looking for. Right. Correct. And so, um, yeah, he tells me that randomly during training. So, I'm like, all right, well, I'm waiting on a phone call. We end up, uh, we end up um, going to play um, a scrimmage, like between them, between the team, just a scrimmage. George Coons called me I'm in the middle of the scrimmage. So I just step aside and call and get the call. He's like, are you still interested? Yes, I am. Okay, welcome. And that's how it started. That's and that was what, end of July, early end August? End of July, early August. Yeah. Boom, just like that. Just like that's that. That's a huge door that kicks open for you. Yep, absolutely. And uh, then the, uh, he's like, all right, expect a ke- uh, text or a call from Coach Carlos Aguilar. Perfect. Thank you. Aguilar texts me, what's your size? Shoes. Wear. Your gear. I just text him back. And, and he's like, I'm excited to have you on staff. He's like, man, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm excited as well. Could you even focus at that point no. during the game? <laughs> you just no. drooling idiot. I was just like, my head is just racing, you know. And so I was just like, so I had to take a moment to myself and just step out and just kind of embrace it, you know, because it was a huge thing for me. Sure. Huge. Who's the first person you call? The first person, I, my girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, what she's you been say? with me. She's been with me since 2015. She's like, hey, I got it. I'm going to Fullerton. She's like, congratulations. I'm very happy for you. And it's, and it hit me like. It was a huge, huge thing. 
for me because of what I've been through or what I've, where I come from. You know, it's like right. n- never in a million years I would have thought I would have been at Cal State Fullerton as a goalkeeper coach or even part of the staff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then that game ends. What's then your next step getting into Fullerton? So I just had to go through the paperwork, uh, fingerprints and stuff like that. Right, the usual know, state the stuff. The usual stuff. And so... But then does Goots bring you in and go, okay, this is the way we operate, bring in what your knowledge, yeah. and we'll meld it into our day-to-day operations? Because yeah. how different was Fullerton's to Mount Sachs kind of internal I was, operations? It's no kind of not no difference, but just the rules with okay. NCAA. Yes, that changes. Yeah, yes. that changes a lot. You what know? you can and cannot yeah. do is. And I got in trouble. I got I got chewed up by Kuntz my first year because I was doing stuff that I was supposed to be doing, and I was like, Was it just get like it together? A, was it just a silly phone call or a or just a, post? Like, right, you know, and stuff like that. Where I I wanted to do a cap at Fullerton. I posted the the flyer without the confirmation from. Uh, compliance, and right. just little things so like that. So many hoops you have yeah. to jump and through. and it's just like, man, I'm sorry. Okay, my bad. I, I, I just learned that first year. It's just full of mistakes. Right. <laughs> you know, like I. Could, you have to ask 20 people. Yeah. At a university. If I could do something. Can you do something? Yeah. People don't understand that you it's, cannot be impulsive. Yeah. And, be and like, just do it. No. No, I can't. I have to go through so many people to even run a camp at Fullerton. Layers, layers, layers. I cannot use the uh, field at Fullerton because I have to go through compliance. I right. got to go through this. State, you have <sighs> state insurance and school yeah. and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's a mess. It's not a mess, but it's just too it's much. It's just the rules. It's just yeah, the it's rules. The, it's the rules. And then a lot of people don't get that. They're like, hey, man, you, you work at Cal State Fullerton. You, you have a beautiful stadium. Why you can't you just train my son there? If that was easy, I would have been done that. Sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know? Or even in the training field, the track and field. Right. But I can't. Or take him to the weight room. Or can yeah, we do this? No. no. I can't do none of that. Nope. You know, I get in trouble. Yeah. Can't do that. You know? But anyways. So how how, how was that first year for you? Now you're the, Again. the. Yeah. Coach. Uh, not no coach. one of the uh, one of the, the volunteers or well, assistant. One of, one of the goalkeeper coaches. You're the guy now at a yeah. D1 school. Yeah, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. I felt a lot of pressure because of what has John and other goalkeepers said about Paul. Paul was like, "Man, he's a great goalkeeper." So he's something. He's expecting quality, right? Which is natural. Sure. Really good guy though. When I started, it's just I was so nervous. My first session was like, "Okay, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> what do I tell this guy?" Yeah, and I was just like, I was so preparing for the first session. Frank is like, "This is what you have to do. Just relax. This is your first session. Do this, do that, do that." Man, that went out the window as soon as I stepped on that field. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What am I doing here? What? I, what I'm to keep? There's four goalkeepers there, right? Wait on me. What am I doing? I prepare for this, and it just instantly just brain went jello, blank, <laughs> blank. 
And I just had to recover fast. I'm like, okay, you know, so I go in, I go through my notebook because I have a notebook. And I totally forgot I had my notebook with my sessions on it. I forgot about that. I had it, you know. And so it's just how my mind's just racing. Right. I had to relax for a little bit, you know, because I heard so much good things about these goalkeepers or the goalkeeper, Paul. I was like, I don't want to mess up. How good was he when you start when you started working with him? Incredible. From, from what you've seen or coached previously. Top notch. The best. The best I've I've been a co- uh, the, the the guy I've coached been around. The best as of now. Right. The best. Andrea is really good. Sure. But I haven't seen him in games. Right. But I've seen him in spring games. Yeah. You got to get him into real games yeah. when it counts. Yeah. Yeah. When it goes against the head coach's career yeah. stats, that's yeah. when it counts. Yeah. Spring games, he was absolutely monster. And I can't wait for him to see him perform and, you know, coming up. Right. Hopefully we do. Sure. But Paul, uh, top notch. He was just quality all around. Quality. And that made me, I think that made me a better coach. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Made me a better coach just because he expected quality out of me. But he was very humble. He was really, he's a really good guy. So he kind of, I eased my way in because he helped me ease my way in. If he was just a jerk or something, that would have been painful for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So did you, that first year, how long did it take you to feel like you were okay? You, you were comfortable? N- nope. Until my second year. Took you a whole year to finally get your yeah. foot, yeah. Like feet where underneath I'm, you. Like, this is who I am. This is comfortable for me. This is who I am and this is who I'm going to stick to. Right. My second year. That was Paul's senior year. Right. When you're looking at a goalie, right, what are you looking for? Just a leader. Can you, can, you, can you lead your team when you're winning? Can you lead your team when you're losing? How do you react when you get scored on and you're losing? How do you react when, you, when they score and you're winning? Because it's two different reactions. And what are you looking for? Detail Just the leader, like, leadership. Like, like oh, we're okay. Let's, yeah, we're okay. Let's, let's keep going. Head up. Head up. Keep going. Be a leader. Right. No matter what the situation is. Don't start screaming at defensive backs. It's yeah. your fault. Why aren't you doing this? Why yeah. aren't you doing that? Yeah. yeah. The correction is always going to be there. Right. right. You're always going to correct people. Like, hey, you should have done this, should have done that. But all right, let's go. Move forward. Because you only get one shot. Right. You train so much. For that one shot, but when you do get it and you don't, you make a mistake on it, it it could be. Yeah, it's weird. Goalies are weird because yeah. you got a ninety-minute game, and he might only be involved in maybe ninety seconds to one hundred twenty seconds worth of actual game right action. Right. Other than that, he might be directing, screaming, hollering, but right. hands-on ball. Yeah. Very little. Yeah. Definitely. And so, so every second is crucial. It's crucial that you have to be engaged ninety minutes. Yeah, and that's engaged. hard. Yeah, when I played, and I'm pretty sure everyone knows, when I played at Mount Sac, every team, except Cerritos, or even a state championship game, uh, they backed off on us. They 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 parked the bus. 
on us. So I was very limited in action most of the games during the season. Really? Yeah. So, but I'll be mentally drained at the end of the game. Not physically, but mentally just drained. Mentally. Because I'm focused Focusing on and I'm directing yeah. everything with just a counter, just to prepare for the counter. You know? And so that it's a mental part. Mental, it's more than physical in the goalkeeping world. You know? And so if you're not mentally drained at the end of the game, you really didn't do your part. You didn't part. focus. You're, yeah. you're not focused whatsoever. Now, what are you looking for physically? What If you could draw up your ideal goalie body, what are you looking for? Man. How tall? Because I'm a short goalkeeper, I could be biased. But I know. I know. But I'm we're, not going to do that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're building. 6'2", six 6'3". Six okay. Not, not thin, but lean. Okay. Do you want him to be... Uh, like long legged or long torso? Long torso. Okay. Long legged, uh, maybe, but not not. I'd rather him be long torso. He could reach for balls at. Okay, that's that, why I ask. It's yeah. a weird question. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. go, "Really? Yeah. No, like, like Andrea, there's a difference." Andrea is a perfect example. Okay. Have you seen him? Yes. Perfect example of of a goalkeeper. Describe him. Just like six three. Very long. Okay. Long arms? Long arms. He has very, I don't know, long legs. Okay. But he's very long. He get to balls that you never think of getting to. And, and that was in the spring he showed us that. Okay. You know? but Good feet? Good feet with both feet. He's good with both feet. This is your ideal guy. That's my ideal guy. He right. has to be a soccer player first. Leader in the head. Leader in the head. He, again, I haven't seen him. But I, I rather. But we're talking to your ideal yeah, guy, yeah. your your leader, your robot. We're building. Yeah, yeah, leader. Be a soccer player first. You know, you have to read the game. Right. You have to read the game. If you can't read the game, you're going to be in trouble. Got to have good hands, big hands. Yep. Good you don't hands. Don't want a guy with little hands. teeny hands. No, you won't be able to catch nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so big hands, good, good hand-eye coordination. Uh, you have to be mentally strong. Because you can get scored on one nothing, you got to be there still. You can't yeah. just collapse. Yeah, yeah. Like I, right now, and I hope she hears this. Her name is Anaí Olmedo. She's in fourteen years old. Okay. And I hope she hears this. Very good goalkeeper. Weak mentally. She needs to strengthen up. Oh yeah. One bad catch, and her confidence is. Is that an attention span thing where these kids are like on TikTok and it's all nine seconds and they're done and they can't watch a two-hour movie without being distracted? So they're just not hard. And she's too tough on herself. Oh, that's even the worst part. Yeah. She's too tough on herself. If she doesn't, ca if she doesn't catch the ball cleanly and catch it right, that's how she is. But phenomenal. She's athletic. Again, she's short. Okay. But she can hang with the, the big boys and the big girls. And she's really good. I mean, she's good. And she's really good, but she has a lot to learn. There's potential oh, to yeah. get There's really good. There's a lot of potential to, to really be good. Especially like, at 14. Like, she's still going to grow and yeah. get stronger and, and yeah. understand the game, develop her leadership, yeah. Yeah. Her mental strength. Yeah. And so, um, but... I mean, every goalkeeper that I train, 
has a lot of potential, a lot of potential. Um, but her her problem is mentally. Would you say that more often about most goalies? It's a mental thing. Yeah, it's a mental thing. Some 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 goalkeepers are not mentally strong at all. Talented, but not strong right. mentally. Could be that actual six two, six two, yep. three, long arm, big skillet hands, the whole thing, and they're just soft mentally. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, can't do nothing with him. What am I gonna do? One mistake in the game, it's just he's done. He's done. You know. Oh, that's rough. And so what I try to do is just put her in situations in training. And I hit a ball wrong on purpose or hit it, just miss hit it. Right. And see how she reacts to that. Because that's real life in the game. Yeah. No yeah. one ever hits a perfect clean right. ball. Doesn't get reflected. Right. You're playing off a of turf, grass. It's hot. It's cold. I mean, yeah. and you know this, playing in August and playing in December, the field's different. The yeah. players are different. Guys are fatigued. Someone's yeah. got an injury. There's a million things going on. You, know, you, Absolutely. Got, you got divots all over the field on some yeah. places. Yeah. You got to take all that in consideration. Yeah. You can't right. expect everything to be perfect. Yeah. You got to be strong. Yeah. yeah. You know, my first years of, of coaching, I was just very technical coach. I was just very technical. Are you in the bubble? Just catch volleys and dive here, dive there, just very technical, which you have to work on the technically technical uh, part of the game. Mm -hmm. But now I'm more in transition of expecting unexpected and solve the problem. Interesting. Yeah. You know, as the game is. As the game is. So yes, I, I, I did game-related situation with the goalkeepers, but it was very technical, very... Um, uh, kind of very predictable. Okay. You know, but now it has to be unpredictable. We could work on certain things, and um, I know they know what I want from them. This is what's going to happen if this move, you make this move, this movement, or whatever it is. But now it's unpredictable. The shot's unpredictable. I could go anywhere I want. If you're cheating on me, if you're doing the drill, I'm going to hit it to the opposite side because you're cheating on me. Right. You're expecting we're going to keep right. going left, right. going so left, going left. Now they're doing the drill. Right. They're not doing the, the don't, they're not reacting to the ball. Now they're just doing the drill. Right. And that's dangerous. Yes. You know. And so I, I moved away from that. From now, just being predictable. where was that consciousness thought that you said, okay, I need to shift this? Especially, I started, at such, especially at such a young age in coaching yeah. that you are. It's not like right. you've got 30 years of coaching. Yeah. I don't have, what, five, five four years? years? Four yeah, years four in coaching. Five, yeah. Four years. For yeah. a guy who's, you know, yeah. not like you're 22. Right. Yeah. So I start seeing it, just seeing different coaches. Like, um, I'm very close to this guy named Abdel Rodriguez. He's a, he has a different method of training, which um, I'll probably will never adapt to that. It's Take interesting. Yes. Yes. Um, and so I've come to where it's more reps. Like may sometimes I have like three to four reps. If you're doing quality, okay, we leave it alone. Okay. But I, I've learned how to just do more reps of it. Do it until you can't get it wrong. Okay. You know what I mean? Now yeah. you, you're working outside of the element of the goalkeeper. Now you go and put the goalkeeper into uncomfortable situations where they're going to see in the game because the game is unpredictable. Yeah, absolutely. And so now you have to 
challenge that goalkeeper in training, can they solve the problem? You know, and 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 then this is very interesting thing that that told me. His name is Anton. He's from Cleveland, Ohio. He is like, you know, the difference from a pro and an amateur. Talent. No. Can they solve the problem right there and there? Right. How quickly they yeah. solve it. If they cannot solve a problem in training, what makes you think they're going to solve a problem in the game? Right. Absolutely. So that that's a difference between a pro and a, a pro athlete and an amateur athlete. Yeah. And that could be everything from handling having a man down mm-hmm. to a referee that's going to let it be physical mm-hmm. or not be physical. I mean, all those things come into play. Yeah. You know, you could have defenders in front of you that just are having bad days. Right. All of a sudden, or, or they're just getting beat. Yeah. They got an attacker. They just can't stop. You got as a goalie figured out what yeah. are we going to do? Yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, you could replicate that in training, but you're going to have like three, four goalkeeper out there just to kind of replicate the situations. Uh-huh. And sometimes it takes time. It takes a lot of repetition to even get there. Because right. again, these girls or guys, sometimes they've never been in a put in that situation. That's true. And now there's, when they come to train, there's like, oh, I've never been to this. I'm like, okay, well, how can you solve it? Right. It's okay, we'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. I'm not going to get mad at you for mistakes. You're in training. This is what training right. is for. Right. But I need you to solve I the problem. Need to tr- I need yeah. to challenge you in yeah. training. I'm yeah. not here to make it be fun and soft and you get through it and you feel like, well, that was really easy. No, you want it to be exhausting. Correct. So when you get into the game, you're like, nothing's going to surprise me. Right. Coach has put me through all of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I tell them expect and expect it because you never know what's going to happen in the game. Right. Never know. It's kind of a very Navy SEAL thing. Right. Right? They train for the unexpected, not as the plan is going to unfold perfectly. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. So, yeah, man. So, that's been um, been a little uh, method of mine that I've been going into transition into. You know, just putting those goalkeepers into situations they've never been in or been uncomfortable in. Right. Where when they have the game and it happens, they, they are not new to that. You know, they, I've been here. My, I see it already. I'm, I've seen it already. Right. Yeah. What? So leadership wise, how are? Because I think people get lost and don't understand. They're in the back and goalies scream and mm-hmm. holler, and the f- play is happening eighty yards away. But how are you implementing and giving these guys the skills for leadership? What are you teaching them? As of now, that uh, I'm coaching again. I'm coaching 13, 14 year olds. I'm actually coaching um, an 11-year-old, a couple of 11-year-olds, a couple of 10-year-olds. So I want to test the older kids to see how they react when they train with the younger kids. Okay. See how they react. Uh, I'm training with her. She's small. No, it's, it's the same training, right? So now I expect them to lead the younger group. If they can lead that younger group, then we, we're working on leadership skills. Because you have to lead the team. Right. So if you can lead these two girls, 11-year-olds, you're 14, you can lead these 11-year-old girls, that's how you work on your leadership skills. Right. You know, you put that, you put them in that situation. Or in I charge could bring, a yeah, bit and yeah, lead them. I could bring a college girl in and lead those 14-year-old girls. Now they see the difference. So like, I was leading these 11-year-olds. 
now this college girl, 19-year-old girl, is leading me. You know, it's funny, too. An 11-year-old and a 14-year-old girl is almost like completely different planets. Oh, oh yeah. But in a couple years, they could be on the same team, 14 and 17 yeah. or 18 and yeah. 20. Yeah. You know, they're That's all of a crazy. sudden, wait, 18 and 20 doesn't seem that far apart, but 11 and 14 is like, oh, my God, you're, you're Pluto and I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. Venus. Yeah. So, so it's a big difference. It's yeah. A, it's a big difference. Body. Body little wise. teeny bodies. Yeah. And now you're starting to develop into a woman. Correct. So now that's how I, that's how I do it. When I uh, train privately in a group setting. Okay. I could bring an 11-year-old girl or 11, a 10-year-old boy and train with a 15-year-old girl. Now I need her to lead. Right. Or I need him to lead. To Shunger. In a game, what kind of a coaching instruction can you give to a goalie that that helps instead of just screaming like what do you give what do you give to the goalie advice during a game I really don't speak during the game I don't really talk to the, to him during the game I talk to him during halftime and sometimes we, we at halftime we go over of what could happen or what should have we done better or what are you seeing yeah what are we, what am I seeing what are you seeing this okay. is what I'm seeing this is what he's seeing right so that's the most conversation we have during halftime. Okay. Um, and then after the game, I don't speak to them. It's, this is in the college game. Sure, sure. I don't speak to them until the next morning. Okay. But if we play Saturday, I don't speak to them until Monday. Okay. And then that's when we talk about the game. Because I, either we win or we lose, I'm not going to speak to him after the game. I'm going to let him have his time and reflect on that. Okay. And then once he has his reflection and stuff, it just analyze the game or what then we on Monday when we come in we talk about it you know like hey I think you should have done this I should have done that or you know maybe sometimes during the game the coaches will tell the goalkeeper something but I'm never the one standing up and yelling at the goalkeeper to do this do that okay so you're not barking any instructions during the game no absolutely no so training wise are you uh, are you breaking down footage like, how are you training your, your goalies? And like, are you you shooting video of him or of, like, attackers? And you're like, listen, they're running a 5-3-2, whatever, and they're coming at you, and they're going to – this guy's got a good left foot. And yeah. Be aware of that. And oh, yeah. They'll sneak on the backside and shoot something over you. Yeah, or, yeah that goes on. As a staff, we, we go over film, like, of the next opponent, and we just, like, oh, this, this striker loves to hit it with his right and it just kind of – be fancy with it you know just he never goes with power he just try and go with you know just be fancy and just put it in the corner so or the left uh, the left back loves to attack and, and cross the ball to first pose right. and stuff like that we we, we kind of see that on film or even the PKs yeah even the PKs like oh number 10 always goes to the right or to your right or to your left or always goes down the middle or, or trying to be fancy with it and try to chip you or stuff like that because we see that sure you know and so when we but do you break that down personally will you sit I, down I, with the yeah. goalies and be like listen guys so I wish we had the time to do that but we don't okay so I just have to go in, into training and tell before training like okay this is what we're gonna work on this is what they love to do or this is what he loves to do so we kind of gonna run the session right. based on what we saw on the film. And that's good for people to know, like you don't have unlimited time. 
I don't. You, there's only so much time in a day and in a week that the student athletes are allowed to have instructional period. Right. You don't get right. 80 hours a week with them. Right. I think it's like 12 or something. Yeah. It's a and, really small number. And, it, it, and it's crazy because sometimes you only have 10 minutes with the goalkeepers or you have 25. I mean, so you can't even have a proper warm-up right. because we have to get into the actual training. Because then the coaches are asking for the goalkeepers because we're doing small side games or we're working on this crosses or whatever it is. Right, they're going to need the goalkeepers. Right. So I. So you send down your three four to work on crosses. You yeah, try to do something with your one like two. Last time I only had three, and, and that's ideally I want to have three, where maybe the 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 I work with the one and two and three goal and with the team and I work personally with the one. But sometimes that doesn't even happen. They all need, they need the three goalkeepers. Right. And they rotate them. Yeah. Because they're getting beat on. Yeah. Yeah, so right. sometimes you can't even do that. Yeah, one goalie can't be sitting there doing crosses all day long. It'll right. be exhausted. Yeah. What is your, like, for you as a coach, you sit there and go, don't get it to PKs or get it to PKs so my guy can shine? Don't get it to PKs. Like, that's the last, I mean, that's the last thing you want to do. Because 50-50, it's a 50-50 thing. Right. So you, you could probably, like, oh, he shoots to the right. But he might go left this time. He might go high, might go low. Yeah. So it's a it's a coin toss, and you never want to be in that situation where PKs, you know, as a coach, you never want to do that. How Players are, are fantastic. They <laughs> love it, you know, as a player. But coach, I don't enjoy it. What do you do? Are you, are you watching with, like, one eye open or your face just kind of covered, trying not to develop an ulcer? I mean, I, it's got to be grueling. Now it's like your yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Is responsible five yeah. times. Yeah. Um, when we played my first year, we played Santa Barbara in the Big West semi, uh, quarterfinal in PKs. I remember that, yes. When they put Freddie in. Uh-huh. Uh, well, when we won the state championship in Mount Sac, we went to PKs. And we won in PKs. Oh, man. And... What's your okay? Well, I know we're gonna, we're gonna get so diverted on this, but what is your thought on that? Do you think a finals should go to PK or just keep playing? No, I think that's that's I think it's great. You go to PKs because it, like, they it just intensify everything. I know, but like in baseball, they don't have like the college rule series ends in a home run derby right. or basketball ends in a three point contest. It's just so right. weird that all of a sudden we're not gonna play a official game anymore. It goes to zero zero, and now it comes down to two guys. Yeah. One guy gets to stay, and five guys get to take shots at him. Yeah. So it's the most unusual part of yeah. the soccer sport. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, I love it. It's part of it's been part of this you know sport right, for, for forever. 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 Right, that's its conception. Yeah, but I, I think I, I, as a player, I loved it. As a coach, I kind of enjoy it, but. Anxiety just through the roof. I know you got to have an ulcer at that yeah, point. Yeah, and it's like, oh man, like when we won at PKs with Mount Sac, I mean, he blocked the the last one. So the, it was four three or it four, was four four five. Oh Jesus! And he blocked the last four, one. Five. And, yeah, and the relief. It was just oh man, happiness, pure happiness. But right. when you lose, I haven't lost as a coach. I haven't lost in PKs. Yeah, because that Santa Barbara one, yeah. I was a mess. Because <laughs> I don't know where to go. Right. Right. Like, I mean, I know thirty years. I'm. You do a. Do you go with the goalie? Yeah. Do you go with the guys? The guys that as a team. Do you go yeah. to the coaches? Like, there's always a. You know, you want to get Kuntz's response, but then right. you only want to really get it if you, we win. Right. The goalie's right. going to give you a great response either way, win or lose. Yeah. Right. You're gonna. But then the player, it's so it's like oh. Yeah. 
It's so painful. Yeah, so man, painful it, to watch. I'm just it's chewing my... It's beautiful to be a yeah, part of. Oh, yeah. But like I said, with the anxiety, I chew gum a lot because it helps me. But... Are you well, going through like packs at that man, point? Man, <laughs> Even at home. At home, uh, my girlfriend bought like a pack like a pack of 10. Like a Costco pack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you see a liquor I'm, store, like yeah. a box? I got three left. <laughs> it, it's insane how much I go through gum. Like I could chew the gum for like five minutes and throw it away and put another, like two or three in my that's mouth. A, that's the baseball player in you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the baseball player in you. Yeah, so that's what I do. And, it's, and, and through the game, if I don't have a piece of gum in the game, I have to walk Back and forth on the side, on the side. I have You're to just walk. pacing. Yeah, I'm pacing. Or that's but, why I always shoot to the left of coach mm-hmm. in a little spot. Yeah, because if I'm anywhere down at the end, yeah. there's it's constant commotion. Right, players, other coaches, yeah. trainers, everybody's moving down there like expected fathers. Yeah, yeah, just a mess. Yeah, so I have to pace down the sideline if I don't have a gum. I have to pace and just pace and pace and pace. But if I have a gum and I, I buy a pack, I have to buy a pack, then I'm chewing gum throughout the whole game. And I'm just, just nerve wracking, man. Because, I mean, you want your guy to do good and you don't want him to make mistakes. And But, you know, I was confident enough. Right. But as a team, I want them to do good. And I want to win. So I'm just... My mouth is just going a thousand miles an hour and just chewing gum, and I'm just trying to concentrate on the game. And sure, it's so much goes on in my brain during the game. So your time at Fullerton, have you enjoyed it? Is it what you expected? It fulfilled my expectations, and I I enjoyed every second of it. Every second of it, I enjoyed it. You know, um, just incredible, like just to be around George Coons. He's uh, great. Yeah, uh, Carlos Aguilar. I mean, Another good super kid. proud of him. Pac-12, you know, and I was seeing he was just like uh, the first. He's the only Hispanic assistant, uh, well, the only Hispanic coach in the Pac-12. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's huge. That's great. Huge. Huge for him. Um, being around Jorge Reyes, I admire Jorge a lot, a lot. Uh, even my first year being a, around uh, other guys like Abraham, uh, Carlos Godinez, uh, Miles, and Christian, just be around those guys that all play collegiate ball. Right. You know, just hearing their experiences and stuff, you know, and, and it's like, man, I wish I had that experience. Right. It'll come. Yeah. It'll come. You know, and so it, it's it's been fun. It's not been nothing but fun. You know, like my second year, I embraced it. I just swear, I'm like, okay, now nah, I'm good. So you know? where did you get the thought of starting your own academy? It's been a thought of mine since I started coaching in 2016, but I just never pulled the trigger on it. Okay. What made you then pull the trigger and say, I could do this? I was in, I was in Erie, Pennsylvania with uh, Abdel and a couple of friends, Kevin. Doing what in Pennsylvania? Hanging out. <laughs> You just thought, I'm leaving the IE, I'm going to Pennsylvania for yeah. a couple of days. I went for a week. Okay. And just hanging out and, and, and talking and, and just being around those guys, just talking because they he runs his own academy, Cronus Academy okay. in um, Las Vegas and in, and in Cleveland, Ohio. And, um, and I was just like, man, I want to do it, but 
is so much competition. I'm not going to call it competition, but it's so many goalkeeper coaches just in the area of Southern California. Really, it's a lot. Like you okay. have Torrance, you have guys in Fullerton, you have guys in Claremont. I mean, yeah, Claremont. You have guys in like in the San Gabriel Valley. So you have a lot of guys, and I'm the only guy that's really uh, my name is really out there, which is in the IE. You know, like I know you have other guys in, in Claremont. You have other goalkeeper coaches just around the area, Ontario area, Claremont, Montclair, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So there's many goalkeeper coaches. So I was like, if I'm gonna run my own academy, like where I'm gonna get the kids from? Right. Like who's gonna who's gonna come? come? Because you, I mean, I'm f- fairly new to this. So these guys been doing it for many many years, <clears throat> and so I was just like, so I never pulled the trigger on it. You know, I was like, no, like, I can't. So by the time I was, you know, then when I moved to Fullerton, that's when I got a name for myself. And that's when kids started coming just because I was at a D1 right. level. Yeah. It, so, it means something it, all it of is, a sudden. Uh, it, is, it, it gave me a title. You know, right. it gave me a title where, you know, not, not necessarily I'm good or I'm a good goalkeeper coach, but I had that title. Right. You're you're working there, so that's an extra yeah. feather in your cap. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, it, no no disgrace towards hope, but if you were at hope, oh, no. it's not the same thing. No, absolutely not. And so I'm like, oh, you're the Cal State Fullerton goalkeeper coach. That's a D1 school. Yes. Ears perk up. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello. Oh, like, Let's oh, how, talk. Yeah. How much you charge per session right. or where you train at? Right. Mom and dad will find that oh, extra yeah. coin in the purse. Per, yep. Because he's a D1 coach. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so ever since then, it just opened many doors around the neighborhood or around the area where kids start coming out to train with me. Or they knew who I who I was and stuff like that. So that's how I started. So I started building just clientele, just building these, all these goalkeepers coming to me to train, you know, train, train, train. And then I've been having... A pair of twins been training with me since 2017. Okay. Or 18. 18, 2018. Was it? When I started Fullerton. Was it tough for you to. I mean, it's not like you just flip a switch on a website and it goes, but like the business side of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something all of a sudden you got to take in consideration. Oh, yeah. how's, how's that challenge been for you? It, it's, it's still in a process. It's still in a process where I have to. And I think Abdel has helped me tremendously just to even kickstart that, you know, and, and, and he's, I mean, he's been doing it for many years. So he's kind of guiding me through that, the business side of the, right. not just coaching, now it's the business side. Right. You know, it's where it's so like, oh man, I didn't even know that. Right. Where yeah. the money goes, yeah. what am I doing? Right. You know? Yeah. And absolutely. Just because I get a thousand dollars does not mean it's a thousand dollars. I got taxes and I got I got to pay taxes. Right. I got to pay a lot of things, you know? Sure. And so... Um, you know, it's I'm a learning. Yeah, it's a business. So I'm learning by, by every day that goes by. I'm learning new things about the business side of everything. Um, and so first, I was just coaching, 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 just private training. But I never thought it as a business until I went to Pennsylvania and came back. And um, I was flying home, and it's a long flight. And I was just like, let's do it. I just thought about it for a very long time. It was a five-hour flight. I was why just, not me? Yeah, let's yeah, do why it. why not me? Like, why I can't do it? Let's do it. And that's we brought up La Academia Goalkeeping. That's how now, where did you get the name? We, that, that's, that's the thing that we were just talking to. See who can, and then Abdel was like, what about La Academia? Uh, I don't know, dude. 
okay, what about this? What about that? And I was just like, I don't know. What represents you? You know, what, what, when they hear that name, what does it represent? Like, what do they want to hear? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so I'm just like, so the, the academia just kept coming up, coming and up. What does that mean? Just academy. Okay. The LA Academy. Okay. Or the academy. The academy. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that's how, um, that's how the name came about. All right. Like it could mean two different things. Like in Spanish is La Academia or in English could be LA Academy or the Academy. Okay. They're, it's just different. Do you have a website? Um, no, working on it. Okay. Working on a website right now as we speak. You're so on Instagram. I am on Instagram. Okay. Um, so I just strictly Instagram with my goalkeeping stuff, but I do have Facebook and I do have Twitter, but just kind of personal. Okay. But if they want to find you, like they can find you on Instagram yeah, right now. Yeah, it says la.academia. Uh, no, la.academia underscore GK. Okay. Yeah. Everybody in the IE, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get to work. But um, yeah, that's how it started. And then the logo, how it came about. Actually, uh, one of the goalkeepers I trained started the logo. Really? Yeah. She, she knows how to draw. So she was like, yeah, I could do your logo for free. <laughs> for sure. Let's do it. Yeah, and then yeah, she started drawing out ideas that I had, and went there, and then, and then um, when I went, I went to Vegas uh, a month ago. Went to Vegas to Abdel's house. Me and Kevin went. We flew out there, and then we just, hey, let's we had some spare spare time. Like let's work on the logo. Right. So we just went to work on our logo and, you know, went through different ideas. Colors, yeah, fonts, yeah, whatever. and stuff. And I was just like, man, this is exhausting. <laughs> I had no and, idea branding yeah, would be so hard. Right. Because so, that's what it is. Yeah. You're building a brand. Yeah. And um, I just closed it. My, Kevin had a, it's an iPad. I think I just closed it. I was just like, we'll get back to it. Then we opened it like two minutes later and just <laughs> like, okay, let's do this. So it went on for like an hour just back and forth, back and forth. Right. And then boom, finally got it. And then um, I looked at it for a long time. I'm like, this is it. Yeah, I think it is. So, I mean, Kevin and Abdel helped me digitalize, uh, digitalize it. Right. Send it out to a stack of soccer so they could print it out and put a patch on it. And That's this is great. came about. That's fantastic. Yeah. So the stars represent my each one of my kids. Okay. So every so you star. You need to stop now, right? Yeah. No more stars. Yeah, no more stars. <laughs> no more. So I got. You don't want it to look like the galaxy on your logo. Right. <laughs> just right. 40 stars. Four, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, um, every star represents my kid. And um, so I have four and one is doing it in October. Okay. So yeah. Busy beaver, man. Man. What's the feature look like for you? What do you got? Where do you see yourself in, it's like an interview, where do you see yourself in five years? I, I see my academy going nationwide in five years. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I had, I had like, aspirations to be in the MLS. Okay. I worked alongside Sack Updale. He's the goalkeeper coach for LAFC. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to work up with Egypt and USA, won title with LA Galaxy and stuff, and I worked alongside with him with uh, FC Golden State at the club level. Well, at the academy level, um, but that window's closing. Every day that goes by, that window's like that window closes for me. I think I want to be in the department of developing, okay. creating that guy or that girl of. That's the next big thing. 
coming out of high school or academy or going to college or going pro. Right. I think I, that's the the future. What's future holds for me where I'm developing the next guy or the next girl up. Right. Now, like as a coach, and I've always found this interesting, and I got to get him on the podcast, like yeah. with like Damian Brown. Here's a, right. a, 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 men, a man coaches women's soccer, and you got like George, <laughs> a man coaching men's Women. soccer. Right. Would he ever want to both of them flip? Would Damien ever want to coach men or would George ever want to coach women? Would you like, and my question is to you, do you see yourself in the future? If let's say you keep progressing in D one, if a door opened for women's soccer, would you go there or do you want to stay in the lane of men's soccer? Because you know how it starts to like, like I don't see Damien jumping, going to UCLA and coaching men's soccer. Right. And I don't see George going to North Carolina and coaching women's Women's soccer. At some point, your path kind of just goes, I'm in the man lane, I'm in the woman lane. Yeah. I coach a lot of girls now. Right, in your academy. Yeah, I coach a lot of girls. And I've built a, a good rapport with a lot of girls. Like they, I get along well with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they respond well with, to me. And if ever a women's program ever came and called me, I will consider it. You would, yeah. You'd be open I'll to be it. I'll be open to so it. So like yeah. if a Pepperdine said, hey, we got a full-time first assistant spot open. Yeah. I just be, don't want to be an assistant. Right. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if there's, you wouldn't go like, nope, I don't do women's sports. I'm yeah. sticking to the man Right. No, I'm open. Right. I'm open to it. Yeah, because I want to. I because it's it's interesting how there's a certain period in your point as a coach. Like you're like I'm sure like when George was at Irvine or before Irvine, mm-hmm. he has to make that conscious decision. Like I'm staying in men's soccer, and Damien same thing. I'm staying in women's soccer. Yeah. So it's interesting where you're at in your career. Yeah. When that decision is for you, like yeah. no, I prefer dealing yeah. with women. I prefer dealing with men. Yeah, I mean. I, I love where I'm at. Um, I hope I can stay many years there. Um, I'd love to keep you there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, you know, like ever since I started Fulton, I started coaching a lot of girls. Mm-hmm. And I, didn't, I never thought I was going to be this far with coaching girls. Like I never thought I have these many girls coaching or being with me. Right. Coming to me for training. And, um, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it every every bit, every training session I have with those girls. I enjoyed it. Do you think there's a need? That's why you're getting such like a great response? Not that you're not a damn good coach, but mm-hmm. there's just a need for women to get the coaching? Yeah, I think there's, there is. I mean, there's a lot of goalkeeper coaches that, that, that coach women, but sometimes I've, I've heard stories from the girls I coach, like I just didn't get along well with him. I didn't like him. It's because you you deal with these personalities, right? You know, they're all different. You give me twenty different. coaches, or yeah. twenty coaches, or twenty goalies, twenty different, different personalities, and and I think I could relate to them more because I have a thirteen year old daughter. That's a huge advantage. Yeah, I have a thirteen year old daughter. She's about to be fourteen, so I coach most around her age, and I kind of kind of relate to them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah, you're right. The advantage I have with these girls because I could. I know what they're going through. I know what they're thinking because I have that at home. Mm-hmm. They're, 
emotions. Yeah, emotions are high. Right, right. <laughs> they're, they're just expectations of what they want as yeah. an athlete. Right. right, because when you're six, the game's fun as a girl. Yeah. When you're 13, it's starting to become competitive. Right. When you're now in college, it's all business. Oh yeah, definitely. Right, so there's a huge difference in those kind of girls. Yeah. So for you to have that at home, it's it's a plus. Yeah, it is. You know, because I, I I can understand. Or just having a daughter. Yeah. If you had all boys, you'd be like, I yeah. don't know right. what you're going yeah. through. I have two daughters. I have a 13 year old, and I have a three year old. You know, I have two boys and two and two girls. Well, I'm have my third son. Right. But um, yeah, I think having having my daughter around and and you know having her at home and kind of the transition she's making. Mm-hmm. That's what these girls are doing. Transition to being a little girl to a, a young a woman. young woman. Right. You know, and so I I have that at home. You know, so I kind of see what they're going through or what they feel, and sometimes I know what they're feeling because again, the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, I had a great response with girls, a great response. I mean, all the girls that I trained with, I've never complained about my attitude or anything because, I mean, I could be moody at times, but again, they feed off my energy and I feed off them. Sure. Right. It's always a give and take yeah. in coaching and with yeah. an athlete. Yeah. You know, and so um, I built a good report with women, with, with younger, young, young women. That's great. Yeah. Especially as a coach, it's hard. I like, I, I see Damien and I use him as an example because I'm with the program a lot. And, yeah. and I, I, that poor guy at the end, of, at the end of every game, every season, I just want to give him a hug because he looks so emotionally drained. Yeah. Right. And, and George is the same way, but I think it's on a different level. If you're a male coach dealing with, with, with the women, they're so emotional. Like the guys, when mm-hmm. we've lost, yeah. they take it in the locker room. They don't take it on the field. They take right. it off the locker room. They take it home. Right. The girls are leaving it all on the on field. The field. Yeah. They just, they're they're all crying. Everybody's hugging. They're win or lose. You can barely tell. Everybody's just emotional. Right. And you can see Damien's like that. Like this yeah. year when we lost at USC. Right. I mean, I just I felt like the man needed a hug. It yeah. wasn't my place because I got to make pictures, but I right. wanted to so badly. You know, I'm just yeah. give him a 10 second hug. Oh, man, just, I, yeah, I like I said, I never been in that situation, that environment where just coaching women at a collegiate level, right? But I just could imagine, right? You know, because I I talked to Brian, but I never asked him like, hey, how is it to coach women at the collegiate level, right? You know, but you cannot treat them differently. They're just goalkeepers, right? Right. You know, so you cannot treat them nicer no. or anything like nope. that because it wouldn't be fair to them. Yeah, definitely. So you got to treat them as a goalkeeper, no right. matter male or female. Right. You, you know? got boots on and gloves. Yeah. We're going to go to work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I don't care. You got a ponytail. Right. Right. Yeah. We're going to work. Yeah, we're going to work. We, we put in at work, you know, no matter what. So, but sometimes I've, I've seen coaches just treat them differently. Like, oh, hit it softer. Right. Or something. I'll just go easy on her. Right. No, no you're doing do her that. a disservice. Yes. Pound on her. Can't do that. Make her a great athlete, a damn good coach, or a uh, good goalie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. And and that's how, I think that's why I, the parents love me or the goalkeepers just love working with me. Receptive to you? Yeah, because they don't, I don't treat them like girls. I treat them like a goalkeeper. Right. That's all that matters. Yeah. All right. I'm going to leave you with this. Okay. You can make one change in soccer what would it be any rule wow yeah 
If you want to get rid of the PK, that's okay. <laughs> Play until someone wins. Oh, man. One rule. Yeah. Like, I hate ties in soccer. Okay. Right? I know it's after 20, 20, 20, 20 or 10 and 10, whatever's in everyone's tie. No. Man, let's let's play till someone bleeds and wins. Right? Uh, I don't think you do that in soccer. It just, they exhausted it after 90 minutes. I know. I know. Well, it's, and they, or, or what about uh, changing the substitution rules after that? After, and once you get into overtime, you can substitute as much as you want. Yeah, but that changes when out of college. Right. That changes. Right. So you can't really change that. Right. But, um, because it's weird. The high school, college, and professional rules are a bit different. Yes. So it's not like you're saying, we move the three-point line, yeah. and it, it it affects probably majority of the sport. Yeah. You know one rule that changed? It was the pass back, and the goalkeeper could pick it up with his hands with a pass back. Back then, you could just pass it to your goalkeeper from half field and pass it back to him, and he'll catch it. Right, he could touch it with yeah, his hands. Yeah, now you can't. Which I would that be I something? Understand. I understand that. Explain it then. Why? <sighs> Maybe I won't. I'll, I'll keep it at this. Okay. Because I mean, it, it makes it challenging for the goalkeeper. Right. Play with his feet and He's stuff. Got, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's a that's a really good question. Yeah, it's a, I don't yeah. know which rule I would change, man. I don't know. Make the field wider? No. Longer? No. <laughs> Bigger goals? Smaller goals? Men's and women's <sighs> soccer balls are different sizes, right? Just no. a little? No, they're no, exact they're size same five. size. Size okay. five. Okay. Um, I gotta get back to you on that one, man. Okay. I, I don't. I can't. I can't see a rule that I could change right now. Substitution, yes, but in the collegiate level. Okay. I, I probably will change that. Right. I probably will. Because, I mean, it's very intense. and But you want to get these guys ready for the professional level. But not every, like, so we could say that maybe at Fullerton, but if you're at, like, the lowest level, bottom third of Division One, it's mm -hmm. very rare you're going to have anybody go for the professional right. level. So, right. because how many college... What? How many colleges in Division One play men's soccer? Was like not 200? a lot. Two hundred. Two hundred. Yeah. Okay. So really, it's not a lot. Probably only fifty to forty of those schools have maybe pro talent. So mm -hmm. there's, yeah, three quarters are not yeah. even close. So because yeah, in JUCO you can sub in anytime you want. Right. That's like hockey. People are just yeah. flying in and out. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um. Oh, man, I don't. All right, well, I got, I, I got, know. I left you something to think yeah. about on the ride home. Right. Yeah, you did. Andy, this has been awesome. I appreciate I your time. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having this me. This is great. Thank you. All right. All right. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please subscribe and hit the like button where you just listened. You can follow us on Instagram.